Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You do not talk about Fight Club. Hello, you're listening to Known For, a filmography podcast with me, Bob Shoy. And hey, it's me, Becca. So this week's episode... Well, this month... We're talking about Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh, This was my choice. Why did you choose Brad Pitt? Because I think everybody on the planet might have seen a Brad Brad Pitt film. I think everyone on the planet might have seen a Bad Pitt film as well. (laughs) He's done done a mix. Um, He's... He's just like so synonymous with filmmaking, I think. Like every, I don't know, everyone's seen a Brad Pitt film. And I think, personally, I think he gets better with age. When I worked on my old job, we would talk about, this actually where the idea for this podcast came from. Me and my co-workers would talk about, we'd sort of say an actor that we thought was good mm. and we'd say what their best films were. Mm-hmm. And that is where my idea for this show came from. And um, there was one guy who was just like, Brad Pitt is not good. He couldn't get his head around the fact that we thought he was good. He's not just a pretty face, guys. And we would say, like, he'd be like, tell me, tell me, like, two good films he's in. Yeah. And we would laugh because he was so steadfast. I would say, like, a film, and he'd be like, wrong. I'm like, but that's your opinion. That's, like, your opinion, Aww. man. Wrong, wrong. He's not good in that. And I'd be like, oh, what a jerk. You know what? I think Brad Pitt is good. He's not as good as I think he is. <laughs> he's done more that I don't like than I do. Right. When I dig through this back catalogue. I think you're right as he gets better with age. Mm. He's he's better now than he was. I used, yeah. I kind of thought he was always good. But when I think of his films before a certain point, I'm like, mm, no, he got good. Right. You can't deny, though, his role in Tarantino. That's less like now, though. That's modern. Mm. Anyway, I'm jumping ahead. So um, have you got any facts about Brad? Um, I've got one. Go on, please, start. Um, It's not really a fact, it's just like a thing. Like, he eats in every, like, literally almost every film he's eating. Well, there's one he famously eats all the way through in. Yeah. But we'll come to that later. But, um, so we've watched a fair few of these films now. And we're re-watching, literally just like before we start recording, we're re-watching the director's cut of Troy. It's so long. Um, which I... Well, you say rewatching. I've never seen it before. Right, okay, yeah. Well, well I'll later. explain. Uh, I've seen the normal cut, mm. and you've never seen it at all. Mm. So we're watching the directors together, which I've not seen. Mm. Um, and he eats in that as well. Oh, I didn't notice. Um, he's eating in every film. 
I kind of love that about him. Like, well, once I, you notice it, you can't. It's like something you can't unsee. There's a reason for that, right? Okay, and we'll, we'll, we'll come to it later oh. when, it, when it's more relevant. Okay, leave me hanging. I've just yeah. noticed it, and when you yeah, when you see it, it's just like niggles at you. Like he's eating again. What's he's his name? What? What's What's his name? Bradley Pitt. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> William Brad Pitt. Is it? Yeah, he's really? his middle name. Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy! I never knew that. Wow. Yeah. Um, Why did you go for Brad? I don't sounds know. More like Brad Pitt is so like monosyllabic. Like mm-hmm. it just sounds Punchy. like a movie star name, doesn't it? An old-fashioned. Well, it does now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's William a handsome Pitt. guy. Yeah, he is famous for being like a handsome guy. Yeah. So I I'd seen some of his films when he was like younger, but it not. I never really like paid attention, but now because we're watching them, like we're doing a lot of. Well, you never, never paid attention to the fact that he was handsome. No, but like I was like, oh, he's handsome now. <laughs> but I think he's just always been handsome. Well, that's what he got famous for yeah. being like hung heartthrob. Then because that's what was hard. It was hard for him to prove himself to uh, he's actually a good actor because yeah. it was hard for people to see beyond like he's a hunky guy. Yeah, he's like kind of like he's kind of that classic. But I think almost like square jawed, blonde hair, yeah, blue eyes, muscular body. I think more now he uses it in like a disarming way, right? Like he's like, oh yeah, well you know, obviously my physique. But then like his acting like really comes to the fore. What I've got here is like we always put like what do we notice about him? Uh huh. And I've actually got not much about it because it's just it's Brad Pitt. What do you? What can you write? Right. So I've written very handsome. But then I've also put like he it's like he offsets that by playing loads of crazy roles. Right, yeah. And that is something that that didn't happen till like midway through his career. When he had the ability to pick and choose. Yeah, I feel like early in his career he was always just like the handsome guy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then from like midway through it was like he just picked loads of crazy roles. When you look at like Fight Club and Twelve Monkeys and and a lot of these films, it's really crazy. He's really playing a wild man, snatch, things like that. Um, but yeah, he started as just like the hunky TV actor right. and eventually moved into film. Mm-hmm. And that's Brad Pitt. Like, I don't have many facts about him. But I think it's really difficult, isn't it? I'm trying to get, oh, I'm trying to get into Brad Pitt's psyche. Like, what would you, you say think... about him? What would you say is like his thing? Because I've just put, put like handsome crazy. <laughs> plays crazy roles, is a handsome guy. I think he plays roles that are unexpected. Right. Not initially, though. Like he he got well, he grew is, into that. Well, I I don't think he. I can only imagine that he didn't really have a choice. Yeah. When he was unknown, you've got to just play your tropey, whatever you're given, kind of thing to mm. get a role. And like, obviously, you're going to spend a few years doing that if you look like Brad Pitt because you can. And then, like you said, like once, once he get <laughs> once he gets to that stage where he has like gravitas he can leverage his fame to do whatever he wants Mm, which he has done there's certain films where he used his notoriety to get them made Mm. when he moved more into like because now he does a lot he's a producer on a lot of films like he's produced nearly 60 films i don't blame him like it's the way the industry works unfortunately Mm. like you have to get famous to be able to like make decisions Mm. it's the same with I'm trying to think of somebody like so many actors and actresses are the same. It's like, oh, I had to like fight through this tropey like stage when I was younger. Now I'm famous. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, I get to pick and choose. And it's a nice place to be in. 
I'd so assume. when you selected Brad Pitt, mm. sort of last minute, mm. you sort of decided on the spot. Yeah, well, I always do that because it's exciting. We looked at his known fours and we're kind of surprised by the picks on IMDb, yeah. what his four known for on IMDb are and what are they? Just refresh our So memory. currently it's Ad Astra, mm. Moneyball, mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Smith mm. and 12 Monkeys. Yeah, which is an odd four. Yeah. Really odd. And then when I looked today, when I was doing a bit of research for this pod, I noticed that the reason Ad Astra and Moneyball are there, despite I actually like both of those films, mm. I was like, they're a bit odd choices. Mm. They're there because he's such a prominent producer now. Yeah. And he's, they're there on his known force for being the producer of them. Right, yeah. So yeah. that's why. That makes sense. But obviously this podcast, we're going to focus on acting. Yeah. So I expect his known fours to change dramatically. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a totally different form mm. because he's done a lot. He has done an incredible amount. So I think we should just get straight into them. Okay, right. And the first one is Ad Astra, yeah, which is. weirdly is one of his most recent films. Yeah, It's like his second most recent film. Um, what did you think of this? This was not what I was expecting it to be. Yeah, same. Um, but I did like it, but it was so not what I was expecting that it took a bit for me to get into what was it actually was. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely. Um, I don't want to say a grower because I don't know if I like it any more than now than I did when I watched it. Mm. Um, you're right; it kind of doesn't reveal itself until almost near the end about what its true kind of the, like the, the trailers made it look way more actiony and it's actually a very slow super slow thinky, thinky film i feel like it's one that i would benefit from watching again yeah knowing what to expect and first, i would enjoy it a lot more first pass it didn't grip me mm. um i didn't think it was bad i just was like a bit puzzled by it because yeah. i think it just left me um, maybe with more questions than answers. I just think it was one of the ones that it was a victim of advertising. I feel like it wasn't advertised mm. well to, to what it it's was. It's way more obscure than it was advertised. Yeah, um, and this is the astronaut dad movie with <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Which is great. Like, Tommy Lee Jones cast as Brad Pitt's dad is a really good bit of casting. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. The art direction is lovely. Oh, it's, go- it's a really gorgeous looking film. Mm. And um, Liv Tyler's in this. We spoke about this on the Liv Tyler yeah. podcast. Um, but this is one that he produced. Basically, all his modern films that he's in, apart mm. from a couple, he's also produced. Right. Yeah, interesting. It's really an in- that's how it is an interesting film. film. Yeah. Um, I think for some people, this would really hit them. I think this is one of them films, I think, for some people, they're like, this is a masterpiece. Mm. Um, I think I need to... Yeah, you're right. Just do a second watch. It's, a, it's one that I think I, I owe a second watch to at mm. some point. But I liked it. But it wasn't what I was expecting. That's mm. what I'll say about it. So next up is Moneyball, 2011. Mm. And this was the first time we'd watched this. This is one that I've been wanting to watch since it came out. And then, you know, things get in the way. Mm. And then I was like, well, this is still a fairly recent film. We watched it the other week. And, um, 2011? <laughs> yeah, when I looked at the year, I was like, oh, 2011. Okay, I really like this. Great film, really good. Yeah, I really liked it. It's almost like, even though, like weirdly, they're like relying on technology to kind of build a team and so, like select players yeah, this for is baseball. The, this is a biography of um, Billy, Billy Bean. Bean. Yeah. This is basically a stat-crunching baseball movie. It's like a sports movie, but from like the managerial side and they're crunching stats well, to find was, a new way. Like Billy Bean was like an up-and-coming, wasn't he? 
Himself, yeah, a long time ago. Um, so it's kind of like his, I don't know, pièce de résistance, like his his final like farewell. Like this is what he's doing. He's trying something new. Yeah, um, and he kind of goes against the grain, against all advice, and um, kind of works with Jonah gets, Hill's character yeah, to he kind of like analyze. Yeah, it's like analyze the players and stuff. Don't really know anything about baseball. It kind of it like works out really really well and they succeed but it's such a weird heartfelt movie mm. all about like analyzing it's about graphs players yeah <laughs> in like Excel the most spreadsheets. mathy way yeah it's really weird and it's like that kind of like analysis of people i'm kind of against because it's more than just the numbers i find that, that's a real thing of american sports you think of like the nfl you think of baseball it's so like stat based yeah as how many how many times do they do this how often did they do this? How frequently did they fail? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. It's all, yeah, it's all about numbers. The problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. It's an unfair game. And now we've been gutted. Organ donors for the rich. Boston's taking our kidneys, Yankees taking our heart, and you guys are sitting around talking the same old good body nonsense like we're selling jeans, like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. We are the last dog at the bowl. You see what happens to the runt of the litter? He dies. I think we've said this before that, like, despite neither of us knowing anything about sports... Yeah. Both kind of have a real like fondness for sports movies. Yeah, even though I don't know anything about no, baseball. No, half the time I know nothing about what they're actually talking about, but I'm yeah. engrossed. Like, yeah. They're like superhero movies to me. I'm like, these are the bad guys and these are the good guys. Yeah. It's so clear cut. But it's so like projected and like, um, it's so much like propaganda. Like, who, like, oh, okay, so I don't even know the what A's. team. The A's. The A's, yeah. They could be great. They could be. Terrible. I don't know, but this. But it's a Billy Bean dog, so the A's are amazing in it. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And the thing is with sports movies is unless they're fictional, which there's some great fictional sports movies like mm. the Rocky movies and stuff. But um, if they're real, they're always bios. So I think that's where your weakness comes in. Like yeah. you love a biography, I love a good bio, and I love like a you know a good classic, good versus evil superhero sort of movie. <laughs> so it really is like that culmination of all yeah, of those like, things. That's, I think. That's where our softness for for sports movies comes from. Yeah, and I also like a good... I keep wanting to say redemption. I can't remember what it is. It's like his second wind kind of thing because mm. he obviously couldn't play professionally. Mm. It's almost like he's living vicariously through his team. Mm. Um, and that's quite like a feel-good movie aspect. Yeah, uh, and this is one of his Oscar-nominated performances. Oh, really? He actually hasn't received that many Oscar nominations. I think he's had like four Oscar nominations, but they'll come mm-hmm. up as we watch. He's only won one. Right. And that was fairly recently. Mm. So it was a long time before he got the recognition from the Academy. And uh, this was one of his nominations for lead actor. Mm. Uh, and like I said, yeah, nice. he produced this one. But this was a good film. And I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. Yeah. Okay, so... And I would say this is probably my favourite of the known for, for the oh, current album. Okay. So uh, that means you don't like Mr. and Mrs. Smith as much. Right. You had seen this. Yeah. This was the first time I watched it. And if it wasn't in his known fours, I wouldn't have. <laughs> I did not enjoy this film at all. Right. And that film sounds really cliche. Like, of course, oh, of course he's going to say he didn't like it. I'm I'm up for cheesy films. I like all sorts of films. Mm-hmm. I thought this was pretty dire. Why is that? 
I just, I don't it, know. What can you not like about two assassins like pitted against each other and eventually so... having to like assassinate each other and then decide that they would rather choose love and fight the system? It's just so silly. Of course it's silly, but it, <laughs> like I love an Arnie film, but for some something about this, I was just like, nah. Is it because it was made in 2005 and it's not quite old enough to be like classic and not quite new enough to be like cheesy and shit? I remember when this came out, I was just like working in a supermarket because I was still like a student or whatever, doing yeah. my A-levels or whatever. And I actually worked with a film student mm. and he actually liked this film. Yeah. He was like, oh, it's a great popcorn yeah, flick. Exactly. It's really fun. Like it's a really actually like a really he knows fun his movie. Shit, I think. And I was like, huh. And ever since he said that, I thought maybe it is good. And when I finally watched it, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, let me say, uh, we don't really need to be here. See, we've been married five years. Six. Five, six years. And this is like a checkup for us. A uh, chance to poke around the engine, maybe change the oil, replace a seal or two. Very well, then. Let's pop the hood. On a scale of one to ten, how happy are you as a couple? Eight. Wait, 10 being perfectly happy and one being totally miserable, or? Just respond instinctively. Okay. Ready? Ready. Eight. Eight. How often do you have sex? I don't understand the question. Yeah, I'm lost. Is this a one to 10 thing? Okay, so I, um, I enjoy this film for the turn my brain off, feel good factor. How many times have you watched this film? More than five really more than five i thought you were about to say more than two more than five i think i used to watch it quite a lot yeah really it's just like a i can switch my brain off and it's cool like i like switching my brain off to films but this film i actually found like two fantastic looking people in this film and they're doing cool shit they're spy films I yeah love but spy this is i see i don't really like spy films either they're like badass <laughs> that Spy soundtrack. Ding, 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 this is like ding. this is a little hint that this might be in Becca's top four. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not condoning it as a good film. No, I'm saying it's an enjoyable film for you, maybe. Okay, so everybody who's on the same track as me, who put your hands up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's like okay if you like films that Becca likes, you'll enjoy this. Yeah, um, no, no, <laughs> it's so trashy. The, the, that's it. it it's trashy yeah it's really trashy um he actually left halfway through the filming this <laughs> he was like yeah i've got another film to make so i'll be back in three months oh that's amazing so halfway through he went and filmed oceans 12 and then came back and finished it what did angelina think about that because i think at the time obviously they were an item weren't no they? at oh. the time he was alone with jennifer aniston oh really and they met on this film oh this, this is one. this is the right, one okay. yeah Okay. So he was still married to Jennifer Aniston and ended up hooking up with Jolie during this film. Uh, in fact, actually, this is me Because if to you don't know anything about this relationship, where have you been living under the rock for the last 20 years? Under the rock. I've <laughs> been <laughs> um, living underneath Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the, uh, this is me trying to remember because I've got this in my notes, but I'm mm. pretty sure um, originally Bob's, like it wasn't Angelina Jolie, it was Nicole Kidman. Right. And when it was Nicole Kidman, he was like, eh, I'm going to drop out of this film. I've got other things going on. Ocean's, Ocean's Level is really popular. I'm going to go and do Ocean's 12. Yeah. Right. And so they were going to recast him. Mm-hmm. And then Nicole Kidman dropped out. Right. And Angelina signed, signed in. And he was like, oh, actually, I'm going to do it. Oh. It was like he sort of like jumped back in all of a sudden. 
They this film just oozes just like sex appeal from the both of them. Well, there were originally much more raunchy sex scenes in this. Really? But they got cut because they were trying to get the lower rating. Uh, you sure they didn't get cut because they were like too It's too steamy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was too much. The, the public can't handle this. Well, yeah. So that's that. Next yeah. is 12 Monkeys. Okay, I would be interested. This is the other way around. This is a film that I had seen that you hadn't. Yeah. So I would be really interested, because we haven't spoke about this, are we interested to hear what you thought of 12 Monkeys? Because it's an odd one. Right, this, um, I love the twist. Like, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And how it all comes about is so obvious, but I literally just clicked. That's that. my only thing. Is I, find, I think it's a bit too obvious what's going on, what's like being lined up. That's my only complaint about it. I think maybe because you'd seen it before, you've maybe, got yeah. the and privilege I'd, of saying that. And I'd like, seen this years ago. I was like a teenager. In I was like, oh yeah, that was like really obvious. But mm. um, watching it, I the whole time I was like, oh, maybe that's going to happen. And then when it did, I was like, yeah. Yeah, see, I suppose I can't see it through fresh eyes because it's so long since I saw it for the um, first time. It's a really cool, bizarre concept. It's, it's a Terry Gilliam film, right? Yeah. And Terry Gilliam, it's a bit I crazy. respect... And he's made a lot of good films, like objectively good. Yeah. But subjectively for me, I just can't get into his aesthetic. Right. And I never enjoy him. As, yeah. I, I watch him all, I've watched a lot of his films and every time I watch one, I'm like, I know this is good, but I don't really like it. Right. And this is probably my favourite of his films and I still don't really love it. Right. Even though I've seen it probably three times. I didn't, time I've watched it. Um, I wasn't against it i quite liked it it it's is like weird, there's something like a little bit grating it. yeah it's a very they're very weird his films but in a way that doesn't quite sit well with me mm. but um, i think um i think with the nature of the content that worked oh yeah and brad pitt in this is playing a very weird outlandish character i think that's the what i don't like about terry gilliam films like there's a lot of outlandishness to them yeah i like the the time travel plot yeah. But the outlandish stuff gets in the way. It's kind of similar to how I feel about Coen Brothers comedies. I like Coen Brothers dramas. Mm. But when Coen Brothers do a comedy, it's, not it's a bit outlandish and it doesn't sit well with me and I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's the same issue I have with Gilliam films. Right. Um, so I respect this as a film. I think it is a good film. I yeah. wish I liked it more. And every time I watch it, I think I'm going to really like it this time. And mm. I still don't. Um, it's similar, like repairing, comparing it to the Coen Brothers. That's how I feel about the Big Lebowski. I right. know that's a good film. Yeah, I've watched it so many times, and every time I watch it, I think I'm going to like it this time, and it never clicks for me. I think um, now, where are we? September mm. 2020. Mm. Maybe the worst time ever to watch this film. <laughs> yeah, actually, I read a thing that the popularity of this has <laughs> risen because people are just like. You know, people watch things that's going on in the world. Like, so the contagion, the popularity of contagion has risen. Yeah. Popularity of this has risen. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's just watching humans make the same errors like yeah. over and over again. Because this is about, if you don't know, this is about a virus that kind of like forces mankind to like living underground. Yeah. Before, like, the, and they're the trying to go again. back in time to fix the cause of it. They're trying to like, find the cause and stop what happened mm. but they don't know enough about what happened so they send people back to try and get more information mm. and that is bruce willis's character yeah and he meets up with brad pitt's character who's crazy basically he's wild this is his first like crazy well role. yeah well it's all kind of a mix-up isn't it really because the whole bruce thing willis is just a big fuck gets up. Yeah. like put in the mental asylum 
because obviously if you're come back like if you turn up in the middle of like nowhere mm. and are just like yeah i came from the future of course you're gonna it's get like saying in i'm jesus it's yeah such a frustrating situation mm. because i mean like hypothetically if that ever did happen we'd be fucked mm. like it would just happen again like history perpetually like but all the information himself in the foot. he has is wrong anyway so they're barking up the wrong tree anyway it's all a big mix up um but yeah brad pitt in this he is a fun character mm. uh, this was his he's actually this is his first oscar nomination mm. he nominated for supporting actor for this and he is like a crazy wild character he's got like weird contact lenses in he looks yeah. odd and disheveled it's outlandish and like, yeah. actually in a fun way yeah i, I guess they give you some chemical restraints huh drugs what did they give you thorazine how doll how much how much learn your drugs know your doses it's elementary you can make a telephone call Telephone call. Telephone call. That's communication with the outside world. Doctor's discretion. Ah, nah. Hey, all of these nuts could just make phone calls. They could spread insanity oozing through telephone cables, oozing to the ears of all these poor, sane people, infecting them. Wackos everywhere, plague of madness. Come on, let's go. In fact, very few Very few of us here are actually mentally ill. I'm not saying you're not mentally ill. For all I know, you're crazy as a loon. But that's not why you're here. That's not why you're here. It's not why you're here. You're here because of the system. I like his character a lot. Yeah. Because he's almost, um, he's like sane and insane. Yeah, you don't know time. whether he's actually on the level or just yeah. mad. All the way, you're kind of like, oh, but is he yeah. more clued up than we think? Or is he just bonkers? It's really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. 12 Monkeys, a good film. Worth a I watch. wish I liked more. But worth a watch for anyone. Because if I think if you like this, you'll really dig it. Yeah, 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 for Because sure. it has got a very unique look to it. Right, so that is his current IMDb top four. Yeah, which is a very odd selection. I feel like I've got through them quicker than some of the others because it's an odd batch to also, sort of gloss over. He's got a hell of a lot of back catalogue, which we're about to delve into. So yeah. we better get cracking. Don't expect us to dwell on all these films for as long as we sometimes do, because we've got a lot to get through. And we've seen nearly his entire back catalogue at this mm. point. So let's take a break and we'll come back and start right at the beginning. Yep. Okay, you ready? Yeah, we're back. And we're going right back to the beginning of Brad Pitt's filmography. And first of all, we're going to talk about Thelma and Louise. And, and I like to... First of all, I want to say like thanks for people who gave you your suggestions and told us your favourite films. For this one, I actually had less than I normally get. And I think that's because people didn't want to chime in because it's like, it's Brad Pitt. Everyone's seen all his yeah. films. So there isn't as many. But there were a few. And um, Emma, who I co-host my Simpsons podcast with, um, this is one of her faves. Mm-hmm. And she was actually quite amazed that you had never seen this film before. I've not seen a lot of films that i probably Lots should classics. have <laughs> yeah, you see mr and mrs smith over five times but you've never seen thermal noise and yeah, then you've seen well. this you get all those references to this in like everything ever because it's very famous yeah it's one of those annoying situations where you know you've done something the wrong way around yeah when you're just like oh that's from that yeah that's from that um for like every situation um i like this film but the first half of it i found excruciatingly infuriating why i just get on my tits uh, well, Gina Davis's character. Yeah, I just can't abide by people who. She's a bit ditzy. She's a bit ditzy. She's not aware of the situation going on and the bigger picture, and it just grates on me. Um, she's not as like savvy as Sarandon's character. Yeah, and I just don't like wasting my time watching that sort of story. I think it's fun. Um, <laughs> it is really fun, and then after that, so like half, just over like halfway, probably 
Um, it gets really good. Yeah. Um, so you like the second half yeah the first half is great but now if you watched it again now you'd know where it's going so you'd probably not find the first half as annoying yeah probably but like as I'm just this was like my first watch I haven't got rose tinted glasses this was a fun rewatch for me because this is one I hadn't seen since I caught it on telly at like I don't know 18, 19 Mm -hmm. and I watched it at that age and thought oh this is really fun I really liked it but I've never seen it since Uh uh-huh and watching it again, I was like, oh, this is a good movie. It's this quite is a fun. beloved film, I think. Oh, it's it? very like famous because it's such a, like, a feminist film for yeah. when it came out. And it's a Ridley Scott movie and Ridley Scott's a notable director Girls anyway. And he it. just wanted to do like a straight up like feminist, badass women, all men suck movie. He thought it'd be fun. Right. And it became beloved for that reason. Um, and they drive off into the sunset. And it is like a big good debut for Brad Pitt being like the hunky... He's like a hunky swindler, really. He's like the really. love interest, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got these two sort of great female actresses being fun. Um, and you've got, like, other, you've got like Michael Madsen bit, in there as well. He's quite coy. He does, he kind of um, is like a love interest and then he kind of swindles them and then he gets caught up and has his like comeuppance kind of thing. So it's not a massive role, but it is quite like poignant to the when, film. When he's first in it, you're thinking, oh, that's it. Like he's in it for like five minutes and yeah. then he goes. But then he comes back and you're like, oh, he's got a bigger role than we thought. Yeah, and yeah. then he sort of comes and goes throughout the film. Yeah. But uh, he's there for like his body, basically. Yeah. And so he's there to be a big hunk. That's basically it. Yeah. But he's a shithead hunk. Yeah. And originally, you'll never guess who was originally cast for this role. Right. Go on. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I can kind of see that because he's quite like precocious. Mm, The cheekiness. Yeah. But Gina Davis, Gina Davis is quite tall. Right. And she was like, he's too short. This is weird. And she picked Brad Pitt herself. So after you see some of the scenes they get together, you're like, I wonder why she picked him. Because she's really tall, actually. Mm. Um, She's very, very tall, isn't she? A fair play. Good on her. So she was just like, yeah, how about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him in Dallas and I want him on my set. So, yeah, Thelma Louise, great fun film, fun, like, debut film role. Yeah. Um, Did you say there was a sequel to this? No, there's a sequel to this. All oh, right, okay. I was joking because I was joking when I said there was a sequel. Right. I thought you were. I was like, how is that even possible? <laughs> right, anyway. A uh, so very that's, famous ending that doesn't warrant a sequel. That's Thelma Louise. Yeah, and then next... A fleeting appearance of Brad Pitt that's quite hunky and, and excellent. But then next he gets a very prominent role. Right. In a film that I've never heard anyone mention that I did enjoy, a Robert Redford movie directed, uh, A River Runs Through It. Yeah, I love this film. Where he has... He's so wholesome. He's got like the second most prominent role. He's yeah, like he's the like brother of the main character. Yeah. But it's like he's, he is, it's like the film's about him, even though the brother's the main character. Yeah, so um, Craig Sheffer plays like the older brother. Mm. Um, and he's like the narrator of the mm-hmm. story. And it's basically him retelling his childhood. It's Robert Redford as the narrator, which is odd. Yeah, as him, like, older. as an older man. Yeah. So you don't you actually don't... see Robert Redford no. in it whatsoever, but he's the narrator as Craig Sheffer's character when he's older. Mm. This is him younger. Am I making any sense? Not yeah. really. Um, and Brad Pitt's his brother, and it's about his father, and they're just. Um, it's about fly fishing. fishing. Yeah. Brad Pitt is just. His character is just a young guy who loves fly fishing. Well, he's also um, a bit of a drinker. 
bit of a gambler. He's a, yeah, he's just a like scuffler. a cheeky, like a, a town boy. Like, he doesn't want to leave, like, the small town. He's a big fish in a small pond. Exactly. And his brother, the main character, he wants to, like, go to the big city and be a big mm. guy and come with me. Yeah. But Brad Pitt's character is like, he's a somebody. He works for the paper and he's, like, like a really renowned And everybody knows fisherman. him. It's like... Oh, the fisherman guy. Yeah. Like, oh, the fishing guy. Like, oh, the he... guy who works at the paper, the fishing guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's a really, like, known guy. And if he leaves that small town, he'll be a nobody. Mm. So he wants that notoriety. Yeah. But he's respected as a fisherman because he's an amazing fly fisherman. Well, okay, so their dad's quite a religious guy. Mm. And he has things just so. Mm. And also, he fishes in... I'd, I've never... I've only fished once. I was quite bad at it I think there's certain ways especially with fly fishing mm. there's methodology to yeah. it yeah and he's then and he kind sort of, of develops his own yeah style. he like kind of it's more based on like emotion and like feeling and like he kind of goes to like he kind of evolves it and takes it to the next level is this set in Montana is that where it is because I swear, I like, whatever know. state it is, we was like, oh, how weird. Because he has two... Montana, you're yeah, right. Set in Montana. So he has two films as a young man, which are all about growing up in Montana, weirdly. Mm. And this is the first of those. Yeah. But I, this is really slow. I loved it, though. I actually really liked it as well. Yeah. I thought it was a really nice, beautifully shot film. Yeah. All the shots of like the river and, and stuff. And like really, really nice. like all the, the wholesome aspects. You kind of come back. So like you see him, like the brother, like go to college. He's got an interest mm. in a girl. They kind of like Brad Pitt's got a girl. They go out. and But they always come back to kind of like the stillness and like the like the rhythm of the river. And it has that beautiful old American landscape. Yeah. That, yeah, it's a really the un- gorgeous film. It's like the Wild West, but nothing's wild like about it. There's no like gun shooting or whatever. Mm. It's just like people living. This was a real surprise to me and I did like it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, so if you fancy... Fancy yeah. a slow film about yeah. fly fishing, <laughs> which sounds unappealing, <laughs> but if it clicks to you, I think if that sounds to you like, oh, I quite like the sound of that, I think you'll like it. It's an easy watch. It's just enjoyable. It just flows like a river. Oh. <laughs> um, are we going to talk about True My Romance? Yeah. So, so next up. This um, was the earliest film of his that I saw him in. Right. Okay. It's his first dealings with Tarantino as well. But Tarantino wrote this and had nothing more to do with it yeah so this was tony scott so he'd already done um thermal and of ridley scott mm-hmm. i know he did this with his brother tony mm-hmm. scott but this is a very small role and it's like a comedy role it's weird to see a young brad pitt just playing a clueless stoner in yeah. like a couple of scenes in this film it's in, like, just really weird hi how you doing uh pretty good you dick no dick no he's not here right now you live here? Yes, I do. He's sort of uh, roommates? Exactly, roommates. Yeah, well, maybe you can help me. I'm looking for a friend sure. of mine. Clarence Worley from Detroit. He's traveling with a real pretty girl named Alabama. Oh, yeah, man, I know him. They've been by here. You seen them? Mm-hmm. They stay in here? No, they're staying at the Safari Motor Motel Inn. Safari Motel. Safari Motel? Yep. How do you know that? I mean, have you been over there? No. Well, they were here, and they said that they were going to go there. And they went. 
And this is another one that was recommended by listeners. Regular contributor Mark Shacko. Um, he said this is he he loves this as like a great comedy performance that you don't expect out of Brad Pitt. Yeah. It's so weird to see him as this like doofy stoner guy. Yeah. I've not seen it for so long, but I don't remember his role in it, so it can't have been that cool. Like, no, it's so massive. small and right, yeah. a lot of improvisation. He's just playing like a silly stoner comedy mm-hmm. character in this sort of film. He's like, you just basically see him in the apartment, don't you? Yeah, and he gives advice to whoever, like whoever's coming to, who, whoever comes to search the apartment, he's like, yeah, yeah, and like sort of says more than he should. Right, yeah. Because he's an idiot. He's basically playing Shaggy. <laughs> um, after that, First time viewing for both of us, a really odd film that I knew by reputation. Right. This is our first time viewing it. The awkwardly titled Interview with the Vampire, colon, The Vampire Chronicles. <laughs> yeah, this was um, really weird, but it's him and um, Tom Cruise and... A young Kirsten Dunst. And... And... Oh, Christian and Christian Slater, uh, Christian who's the Slater. Interview, interviewer who, who was, was in, in True Romance. Yeah, of course. I forgot Christian Slater was in this as well. This film was really fucking weird. Really long. Yeah. It's about vampires. It's about how he... It's about how he became a vampire? Yeah, yeah. briefly. Well, he no, that's what it's about. He becomes a vampire at the beginning of the yeah, film. Yeah, and then... Um, briefly. He was briefly a vampire. <laughs> and then they make Kirsten Dunst a vampire as well. She's like a child. And it's Tom Cruise, who's got, like, long blonde hair. That's very odd. This is a weird film. When's it set as well? I forget. All over the time, because he's an immortal. It has a lot of cool concepts, but wastes them on a film which is kind of a mess. Yeah. And I really hoped I would like it more. I wish it was done better. I love vampire mythology and vampire stories, and I love Dracula, like Bram Stoker's Dracula and adaptations of that. I wish there was more good vampire stuff. Yeah. Because I watch so many vampire movies, I'm like, this is terrible. They're always bad. Oh, um, and like the big coven, and they kind of go there, and then they get cast yeah, Paris, out. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like there's like acts to this film. It goes on and on. I wish it was a bit more succinct and like punchy. He didn't enjoy making this himself. Right. He wanted out. Like midway through, you can kind through, of tell like, hey, it's very like wooden performance yeah. from him. But then, like he's a vampire, so maybe the, it's intentional. He said the makeup and everything was really uncomfortable. Mm. He didn't enjoy making it. He wanted out midway through, but it was going to cost him forty million or something just to because that's what it would cost him to redo him coming out and stuff like that. So he had to see it through. Yeah, but he did not like making this film. I feel like it shows maybe he. Is another actor who kind of wears his heart on his sleeve if he's not totally into the role. 100%. There's, there's a few examples of this coming up. Mm. Um, but yeah, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. So you think, whoa, two megastars. Um, there was a lot of tension between them. Right. Tom Cruise. I feel like they're very opposite. Yeah, people. Tom Cruise didn't really get on with Brad Pitt very well. Mm. He said that he uh, had very poor personal hygiene that didn't sit well with him. <laughs> and he didn't like that Brad Pitt didn't wear deodorant. He said that he had noticeable body odour. Uh, and I can imagine Tom Cruise being a very finicky person like this, in very particular. And I feel like Brad Pitt's a bit more like Bohemian. Yeah. 
Yeah, it didn't sit like hearing this. I was like, yeah, I can imagine that. Oh well. Anyway, um, uh, but I, I, yeah, this didn't do it for me. Next. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Legends of the Fall. Oh yeah. This was the other Montana movie. Yes. Um. So this is a bit early 1900s. They live in the um like Montana like wilderness basically, and it's all about like this one woman. Yes. Um, she um, gets brought back. So there's three brothers. And they all want um, And her, the basically. dad's Anthony Hopkins. So it's Brad Pitt as a brother, Aidan Quinn as a brother. Yeah, and Henry Thomas is the youngest brother. Mm. Um, Brad's the middle brother, and then Aidan Quinn is the older brother. But of the three brothers, Brad's like the outdoorsman. He hangs a lot with the Native Americans. Yeah, and he's definitely very... more like bohemian, like kind of The way that he hangs kind of... out with the Native Americans, he's almost like part Native American yeah. himself. He follows all their customs and loves all that so stuff. So the youngest brother brings back this woman. Mm. He's betrothed to, a to woman. the house. Um, and then um, war breaks out. Mm. Um, so this this film spans a long time. It has yeah. them going to war. It has them coming back. It has it's them the first on world the land. war, isn't it? Yeah. And the younger the younger brother feels um, kind of obligated to go. Mm. Um, and then Brad kind of just goes along to protect protect him. Yeah. And the older brother goes as well. So they all go to war. Mm. And then when they come back, it's kind of like their relationship with her as different brothers like evolves it's the, the relationship between each of the three brothers and this woman yeah um uh, something i've got an interesting it's quite thing a complex this. like kind of weave of like relationship this was really the film where he became like a hunky heartthrob right because he's riding on horses across the like yeah. fields and stuff he really wanted to break out of the hunky yeah stereotype after this one even though i did actually i did i wouldn't say i didn't enjoy this film Right. It wasn't my favourite, but I did not enjoy it. Like, it was... I preferred River Runs Through It. Yeah. But I did not enjoy this. Um, but I'm just going to find... He's a lot more... Um, I think he's a bit less sincere in it. He's a bit more, like, aloof. He's very one. aloof in this. So the woman is played by Julia Ormond, right? Mm. And um, I've got a couple of things I want to read here. He's got also... He's got very long hair in this film. So this is from IMDb. Mm. Brad Pitt and Julia Ormond lived in the same house while shooting in Calgary. Mm. Pitt recalled, quote, it added to the sexual tension, dot, dot, dot. I'll leave it at that. Oh. Right? Wait. It has been rumoured that after shooting of the love scene with Tristan and Susanna was completed, this is Brad and, and Ormond, and filming was wrapped up for the day that both Brad Pitt and Julia Ormond were into the action so much that on top of the real sexual tension that had been seemingly built between the two actors, that they waited around for all of the crew members to pack up everything and leave. And once they were all alone, they decided to make love for real. <gasps> My mouth is agape. So. Who'd have... I wouldn't blame her, to be fair. There's that juicy, juicy bit of uh, detail there behind the scenes. Bloody sexual hell. tension but yeah legends of the fall not bad next we'll talk about seven seven so this is a result like i said this is a result of him trying to shake i don't want us to be the hunky guy right i'm gonna play i'm gonna star in this film which is very dark yeah very grim yeah and it is yeah cop movie he plays like the new blood yeah against uh Alongside, sorry, Morgan Freeman. Mm. He's like the old... He's like about he's to retire. He's retiring, yeah. He's 
wise. He's been around the block. He knows what's what. He doesn't like what's happening yeah. to the city, like how dark, everything's getting darker yeah. and more violent. And Brad Pitt is kind of trying to prove himself a mm. bit. He's just moved there with his young wife, who is um, Gwyneth Paltrow. His actual partner at the time. Oh, really? Mm. He's got around. <laughs> this is only a year after he played Legend of the Fall and was fooling around with... I know. he. Brad got around. He's been around Hollywood. Um, I really like their relationship together. Uh, mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman, that is, and Brad Pitt. Um, they kind of like bat off each other really, really well. I was surprised this one wasn't in his known force because it's so, it's so famous. Yeah. And I feel like this is the first film that people really started to take him seriously in. Yeah. Um, um, and he himself considers this one of his best roles. It's great. He um, says this is like, his quote is like, it's a perfect film. It's a great subject. Like, it's really, um, the pacing is really good. It like keeps moving and um, you're kind of seeing everything through his eyes, like new off- police officer kind of thing. Yeah. And the gimmick is the seven is the killer thereafter takes a life based on each of the seven deadly sins. So that really helps the pacing because you're like, oh, what's going to be the next sin? You're like, you know, there's going to be seven deaths. You know, yeah. you've got a checklist that you're like, oh, what's next? What's next? Yeah. What's next? How, how is he going to do this one? Creatively kill the next one. And it's grim. In fact, the person who was supposed to play Brad Pitt's role uh, turned it down because they said it was too dark, too grim. Mm-hmm. And that was Denzel Washington. Really? Yeah. Um, and after he saw the finished product, he really regretted not doing it because he loved the film. Uh, but yeah, Denzel Washington was originally mm. supposed to play that role. I'd like to see that version of it. And originally, Morgan Freeman's character was going to be played by Al Pacino. Okay, I would have loved to see that film. Al Pacino and Denzel Washington. I want to see that version of this film as well. Can they just remake it now? Yeah, I want both versions. I like this version, but I want to see that version yeah, too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that sounds great. That's really cool. But this was his first collaboration with David Fincher, the director, who they worked together quite a few times now. Okay. What else did they do? Fight Club. Okay. Um, it feels really similar. Yeah. Like the vibe They've of it. They've done three really And I think this is films. one of his first films, like where you said he likes a bit more like obscure and more like gritty. Yeah. This was his first like kind of foray into that genre to kind of maybe shake off that heartthrob. Yeah, that was the point. He wanted, he liked the fact that this was so grim because it was so different to what he'd been casting before. Yeah, and he doesn't get a shirt off no. in this one. And no, it's, it's intentionally a bit more, he didn't want to. Yeah, it's a bit more like heady and like thought provoking, mm. and yeah. So first collaboration with Fincher, they did Fight Club together, and they also did uh, Benjamin Button together. Mm. So like, Finch, David Fincher's a great filmmaker. He's made loads of great, great films, and they work well as a team. The execs wanted the ending to this change. They didn't like the ending. Okay. But Brad Pitt refused to do the film if the ending was changed. Good he for wanted him. the ending it was, and he was like, if, if they change the ending, I'm not doing the film, I'm going to drop out. Boom. And they stuck with I it. I suppose that. that point. And I don't see how else it would end. The ending is like, He's it's like, like one of them, you see it coming, mm. but you're also still surprised that it actually happens. I feel like this, like he's on the cusp of his. His like infamy, like mm. Brad Pitt, like he can start using his like gravitas to like express his opinion about stuff, and I feel like he does, and that's a good thing. Even though I I really like this film, I don't actually think Brad's character is that great in it. 
weirdly when I watched it again. The character l- is not amazing. No. And it has that awkward line delivery that everyone does, the what's in the box, what's in the box. Yeah. Which yeah. you even chuckled at when he did it. It's the most dramatic <laughs> part of the film and he has that weird delivery. Yeah. It's like, why don't they just put in a different fucking take? Because <laughs> um, it's so like famously a weird delivery that everyone always quotes. You hear that so much, people take the piss out of that quote. This one right here. Put the gun yeah, down. I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Put the gun down, David. Oh, what's in the box? Give me the gun. What's in the fucking box? Give me the gun. <laughs> that one. Um, yeah, what's in the box? Oh, Bill well. Seven, good film. Uh, let's talk about... Um, oh, not a good film. The Devil's Own. Mm. This is one that I sort of chucked in at last minute. I'd never heard of it. I just thought it was interesting, like a film with Brad Pitt playing an IRA dude from Belfast mm. and Harrison Ford. Yeah. I thought, what a weird So we actually film. watched this last night. last night, the night before. It was last night. Last night, yeah. yeah. Um, this is his... Okay, so he... This isn't the first time Brad Pitt will do an Irish accent. This is his first attempt at doing, like, kind of an outlandish accent, though, which he does quite a few times from now on. Yeah. And I wouldn't say he's got 100% success rate on his accents. No. Um, Although this... I've heard worse Irish accents than this. I think it's not great, but not here, bad. It'll be, it's all right. This isn't great, but not terrible. I need that money, Tom. Why? So other eight-year-olds can watch their father's gun down in front of them. If this money leaves here, more people will die. Can you tell me that won't happen? Let me ask you, what if it... What if tonight everything you had was burned down around you? What if you and yours walked out on the street and you were spat on? Told you were nothing. You're no good. What if it was one of yours? Cut down by a plastic bullet. One of yours you had to bury. Would you just sit back and say, Oh well. Would you try to make some kind of sense of it? You fucking try. You look around at all the people and you realize you're dealing with a government that's failed everyone. All sides. It's a really interesting storyline and a really interesting perspective of the storyline. So basically, if you don't know anything about Irish history, the IRA... um, it's basically like the Irish resistance mm. um, and they, but they were quite um, antagonistic and their methodology was quite um, severe. Mm. Um, and he, like a lot of propaganda and everything in the UK and Ireland was um, that the RA were pretty terrible. They're the bad guys. Yeah, they're this, the this is the, the way it's portrayed. Um, which is interesting because he is, he's, well, IMDb calls him an IRA terrorist. Yeah, which kind of is, but he is a, he's a renowned, like he's on all the news and mm. everything, like people know who he is. He's kind mm. of too famous to be around. So he hightails over to America to get loads of weaponry. To take and the back. idea is they're um, going to bring it back by boat. Yeah. With him, someone he knows, another Irish guy from New York. Yeah. But the person he's staying with is Harrison Ford. Who doesn't know anything, Who doesn't know anything, yeah. And when... So you think, ooh, ooh, that's going to be tense. Well, yeah, the guy who's his, like, contact in New York is like, what's, you know, safest place you can be? Like, nobody will suspect you, like, Mm. 
like if you're staying with a cop and he actually has like kind of builds on a really good relationship with Harrison Ford's character and like his daughters and everything like they kind of become they like really warm to him yeah plot twist they find out who he is well yeah you know it's going to go that way but Brad Pitt himself called this film a disaster really? that's his yeah he said quote this was a disaster oh shit because he said this had so many rewrites. The mm. script that he read and signed up for, he thought was amazing and loved it. Oh, right. So he signed the contract, going to do it. Between then and filming, it went through like seven rewrites, seven or eight rewrites, and it didn't resemble anything what he originally wanted to do. Oh, that's shit. So, but he couldn't drop out. It would cost him millions to drop out. Yeah. So he had to see it through, but he didn't like what the film had become. I feel like this is a like, It's the recurring... same as the vampire movie, yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. It does feel a little bit like not quite um, realised, like the storyline. It's really interesting. There was a lot of dispute over who the lead, who's the lead. Is it him or Harrison? Right. Blah, blah, blah. Who's the more focus on? Uh, and then the tone changed. He said originally it was a lot more grim and he liked the darkness of it, but then right. it lightened up a bit and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like for a topic about people like gunning people down and like moving over like m- weapons of mass destruction yeah. from like us and buying them and like the way it money starts you think it's going to be a lot more grim than it is as a film because it starts yeah. quite heavy yeah like, oh, shit like everything in so it starts in ireland violence and a lot on of, the streets of belfast yeah lot he of actually violence. um spent time in belfast trying to get into the role and trying to get the accent and stuff <laughs> uh but he was jumped <laughs> really and attacked in belfast yeah well, hopefully that gave him a perspective. Yeah, I was getting into character. Uh, but yeah, like he said, it's a disaster. I, this is not a great film. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting. Like, I'd never heard of it. So I like to seek out these ones I've never heard it's of. It's a weird, like, mix up between the two. Hmm. Talking of accents. Okay. The next one he did was Seven Years in Tibet. Where he plays um, an Austrian hiker or, like, mountaineer. Yeah, Heinrich Hara. It's a bio- biopic. I love this film. Right. It's got a very. I'm, it's got a special place in my heart. I love um, the story. I love Tibet. I love like the mountains. Um, so you you'd seen this before. This was the first time I'd seen it. Yeah. What did you think? I thought the his Austrian accent. Now, me and Becca, if you listen to my other podcast, you'll know that we spent a lot of time in Austria. Uh, it's a very a place that's very close to our heart. I um, do speak uh, a fair bit of German myself. Mm. And his accent is pretty atrocious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's. Distra- I found his accent distractingly right. atrocious, and this actually widely considered to be one of the worst on-screen accents of all time. <laughs> really? Yeah. On the way to Lhasa, I would see Tibetans wearing these jackets. Chinese soldiers, very nice. Give food, clothes, money, very nice. It's strange to me that something so harmless as a jacket could symbolize such a great lie. After all these years, you still do not understand Tibetan ways. To return a gift, it's not forgivable. A man who betrays his culture should not preach about its customs. There was a time I would have wished you dead. But your shame will be your torture, and your torture will be your life. I wish it to be long. Brad Pitt's not great at accents, but I don't think that's what appear- is appealing about him. Mm. Um, yeah, his accent's terrible, but besides that... I didn't dislike the film. Yeah. But the accent was distracting. 
it's um, a really important story, I think. The weird thing is, there were some some scenes that were in Austria and stuff, and they were filmed with in English. But I was just like, like when he's talking to his wife at home and stuff before he sets off to Tibet. Yeah. Why wasn't that in German? Yeah. Because I found out since then that Brad Pitt speaks German. Does he? Yes. He has German heritage. And his interest in his own heritage has led to him visiting Germany many times throughout his life and actually learning quite a bit of German. So he speaks a fair amount of German. It should have been in German because it's all about the war, isn't it? I understand that when he's in Tibet, he's going to be not speaking German. They're going to be looking for an ELF of English, lingua franca, like English lingua mm. franca to communicate together. But when he's in Austria, those scenes should have just been in German. When he's like on the train and yeah. leaving and they're talking all about... So he's Austrian and they're obviously like, oh, you know, Heil Hitler, like all this kind of like Nazi no, yeah, regalia and stuff like war, that. Yeah. He's, I suppose it's just like, oh, look how great our country is. He's going to go and climb Mount Everest or whatever it is. I'm going to um, isolate that audio of you saying Heil Hitler and use it for somewhere untoward. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, like that should have been. I'd have been like, oh, that was great. Yeah. Like a little bit. Like the scenes aren't even that and long. And it would make me forgive the dodgy accent when he starts speaking English mm. as well a bit more. I think it's just because it's like, oh, we'll get... Nobody likes to watch anything with um, subtitles in. And if it's got subtitle part, people are going to be like, oh, this is really jarring because it's like English, German, English. And it's yeah. like a weird like mix of language, which is really... It's sad, but it's it would be like more truthful portrayal. So, yeah, you get a brief amount in Austria. I'm always excited to see Austria on screen. Um, so I enjoy those brief <laughs> moments. Yeah. Train station, that's pretty much what you see. easy you see when he comes back later in the film mm. as well. You see a bit of the streets. But. I like seeing um, Dalai Lama when he's quite young yeah, and so very like impressionable. So they become fast friends, don't they? Yeah, so this is the Dalai Lama being sort of interested that a couple of Austrians, because Brad Pitt and David Thielis, well, they who move into a small town. They in, sneak in, in because yeah. the um, Tibetan capital is close to all foreigners because it's a sacred city mm-hmm. and they kind of slip in unannounced because they're fleeing they're on the lam um, they break out of an um, internment camp basically mm. so they arrive they're prisoners of war in like rags yeah and the Dalai Lama kind of piques his interest about well, he's interested about the outside world yeah so he becomes friend of the child Dalai Lama Mm-hmm. basically, who wants him to build a cinema for him and it's teach great, him about yeah. the outside world. And it's the relationship between this Austrian hiker who's very, like, egocentric. He's yeah. an arsehole, basically. And the the young Dalai Lama, but they the, the, it's respect and he softens a lot. Um, well, he, the Dalai Lama's kind of selflessness rubs off on him Exactly, yeah. So it's that classic arsehole guy discovers that mm. it's not all about him. yeah. It's a really wholesome. And, and meanwhile, his movie. his hiking partner, played by David Thewlis, is meets a, a local woman, and they settle they, down, and he moves well, there. Yeah, they both try and like vie for her attentions. Yeah. She doesn't like the braggadocious attitude of Brad Pitt's character. Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice film, and I love the historical aspects of it, and I hope that it is at least slightly accurate. After this film was made, mm. Brad Pitt and David Thewlis. Um, since this film coming out, are banned from entering China because of this film. Really? Yeah. Why? Because it sides with the Dalai Lama and oh, to free Tibet right, side okay. of, of history. So they're actually banned from entering China because of this film. Worth it. Um, so yeah, that's Seven Years in Tibet. 
after that, oh, we didn't watch uh, Devil's Own last night. We, watched it. we did watch it the night before because last uh, night we watched... Meet Joe Black. Meet Joe Black. Okay, this film was really weird. I kind of dug its weirdness in a way. Yeah, I'm not... I don't know. I'm not saying it. I didn't like it. it okay. Because um, this bond, great cast. Oh, my this, God. This is a real flop. Her famous really? cinema flop. Yeah. It's odd because I think... I think it's because you don't see Brad Pitt as, like, charismatic because he's basically playing death. You're death. Yes. Death. That's me. You're not death. You're just a kid in the suit. The suit came with the body I took. Let me ask your opinion. Do I blend in? Yeah, so this is about Brad is death. Right. So Death's interested in Anthony Hopkins' character. Yes. So he Actual takes, Death, the Grim Reaper. Yeah. So he takes over this guy to like kind of follow him around basically and he's like, Look, if I if I find you interesting, I'm gonna stick around. Well he's never been human. He wants to go at what it's like on the mortal realm. Right, yeah. So that's why Brad Pitt I think is a like he feels very like his character feels stilted, but obviously he's playing Death, so you would be. I it think. feels like a Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt bit. like to me the way it's like it's such a weird film because part of it is like comedic mm. Brad Pitt as death is in a human body trying to fit in with the world and that and it's kooky and wacky and, and he's doing weird things and his response is a little things. bit off kilter and, and that side of it feels like a Jim Carrey movie but Anthony it Hopkins trying to keep his shit together and go with it yeah and like yeah this guy Joe he's like my mate um, whilst being like this is death I'm gonna he's gonna take me off the mortal coil in a minute if I don't keep entertaining him so it's part like weird comedy wacky guy that yeah. feels like a Jim Carrey movie but it's also like part Roman this is a three hour long film <laughs> that ruminates on like what is existence in amongst this wackiness and then you've also got this deep romance plot because he starts falling in love and experiencing what mortal love feels like for Anthony Hopkins daughter yeah and she's just like what she kind of doesn't really get what's going on. And well, of meantime, course she doesn't. You wouldn't think this is death. Uh, she falls in love with this guy, or she, what she thinks is a guy, and Anthony Hopkins is saying, leave this guy alone. Yeah, Stay but away can't from this say guy. why. He has to but that only make, makes her interest more. Yeah. All the while, his other daughter's planning his 65th birthday party. Yeah, it's all leading up to a big birthday bash. Um, it's absolute mess, the film, I think. I, I liked it, though, it's, in a weird it, way. It's the weirdest feeling film that I've seen in a while. I couldn't place it's like the tone bit... of it. Is it a comedy? Is it a romance? Is it like philosophical it's all of rumination? Things. It's all of them in a weird way. That For me, I don't know how like hated this film is. I think it's quite hated. It's I got kinda, 7.2 on I kind of liked it. And I really liked the score. Oh, really? I liked. I really noticed the music for it. I oh, loved the score. Okay. I'll be playing underneath us now. <laughs> The pacing was weird for me, and I don't know if I... I thought it was a mess. I didn't think it was bad. It's just intriguing. It didn't feel like a three-hour film, though. We said that. when Before we watched it, it was like, maybe we'll watch this in two halves. It is over three mm. hours long. And then when we got to, like, two and a half hours in, it was like, God, I can't believe it's this far in already. Like, it's... It, it dragged... The last act dragged. It did feel like a movie from 1998, though. Yeah. Because on. it's a movie from 1998. <laughs> Uh, but the reason this, like, sorry, just to hold us on Meet Joe Black, it did flop. It was a massive bomb. Most of the people that went to see it went to see it because of the trailer that aired before it, 
which was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So this is one of those films that people are like, I've got to go see the Star Wars trailer. Off the back Before of the, you know, the days of YouTube, you would just go and pay to see a film, watch Star Wars trailer and then leave. I love that dedication. And that was this film. So um, despite that, it still, part, still okay. flopped. But after that, he really wanted a hit. So this next film, I cannot believe it's not in this IMDb. No. Shocker. Fight Club. Yeah. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Third rule of Fight Club, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out. The fight is over. Fourth rule, only two guys to a fight. Fifth rule, one fight at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirts, no shoes. Seventh rule, Fights will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule. If this is your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight. 1999, turn of the century. Millennium. millennium turn of the millennium. Um, probably his most famous... This is the film I remember from kids at school like the most like literally like saying you know don't talk about Fight Club and this is the film where if you doubted Brad Pitt you were like oh he's great in that like this is the film where me as a teenager and every guy as a teenager I think fell in love with this film yeah um was like oh no Brad Pitt's amazing he's actually great yeah he turns a corner yeah and he needed a hit that's what I read like he was like after the absolute flop of Joe Black and it's exactly up his street. It's intriguing. It's off the wall. It's clever. Like, it's mind-bending. Um, it's gritty. Like, all of the stuff, like, ticks all those boxes. And it the shows stuff how, that he's been searching for. It shows how well he works with Dave Fincher as well, because the last time I can remember that people would have been like, no, he's really, it's a really good film, was Seven. Mm. And this is them reuniting again. Mm-hmm. Like, every, the you know... All of the elements like culminate in this, and it's so right. It almost wasn't Brad Pitt though. I love, oh. I love finding out who almost played the roles. Really? Yeah, who nearly played this role? I don't have a clue. I couldn't imagine anybody <laughs> exactly. else. Exactly. That's why he's like, what the fuck? Russell Crowe. No way. <laughs> no. Yeah. Fuck that. He would have been terrible. Yeah, the, the Sorry, studio Russell. originally wanted Russell Crowe. This is not a Russell Crowe role. Fuck. <laughs> His role in 12 Monkeys almost like paved the way for this, I think. Right, yeah, because this is this is really him leaning into I'm playing a crazy psychological yeah. like this is like a psychological thriller like drama kind This of. is a film that I was what I haven't seen this for years. As a teenager like most guys of my age, this was one of my favorite films. I watched it all the time. My most watched film as a teenager. I think I'd Definitely only, would have said it was my favourite film. I think I'd only probably seen it once. Since I've grown up and matured, I haven't watched it and I've worried about ever going back to it because I'll be like, it won't hold up. I think it's so crass. I think it's childish. I know yeah. that so many people have taken the wrong message from this. Yeah. Literally taken what the opposite of its message is and gone, yeah, I love Fight Club because, uh, and not got it. Right. So I was so worried about revisiting it. First time I've watched it in maybe nearly 15 years and I had a blast. I really did enjoy it's it. It's gripping. Like the I whole time it. you're like glued. It's so unique. Like the Even way it's when you know unique. the twist, you're like, oh, I fucking 
Yeah. It's really, really, it just holds up. It really holds up. It's like pain is pleasure with this film. Like watching it, you're like gripped to the very last. For me, this is one of the few films as well that's based on a book where I'm like, no, this is better than the book. Mm. This is way better than the book. Have you read the book? Yes. Mm. This is better. It's one of the few instances of like, no, this is better than the book. Nice. Because of all the visual flourishes really just add to what this is. Like, this is David Fincher's finest hour as a director as well, I think, because he just puts so many little touches into the direction. Yeah. That it may feel schizophrenic and chaotic. Yeah. Which fits so well. Yeah. And after you know the twist, it kind of... It's still as good. Yeah. Because you notice everything else. Yeah. And you're you almost have to watch think it back again. and you're like, oh, yeah. Like, it kind of dominoes it's, the whole It's thing. more enjoyable knowing the twist, I think. It's mm. great to watch once not knowing the twist. And then once you know it, it's more enjoyable. Yeah. Because um, every time you watch it, you notice more things. And I think really timeless. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's set when it came out, kind of like in the 90s. But I think really, really timeless. Like, it kind of doesn't really date itself at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the nature of the film, it's just so... It just feels like crazy in like a gripping way. And I love it. We're not your job. how much money you have in the bank. Not the car you drive. Not the contents of your wallet. Not your fucking khakis. You're the all-singing, all-dancing crap of the world. So his character has that chipped tooth in this. Right. And when we were watching it, you said to me, I wonder how they're doing that. They're just like editing out his mm. part of his tooth in every scene this is a little bit like the Denzel reveal where it was like how are they doing the gap no that's his real teeth that's Brad Pitt's real teeth really yeah um, he chipped that when he was younger and he had his a dentist remove the cap because oh, right. he's a, obviously he's a fighter he's like it would make more sense if I've got a chipped tooth in this so yeah. can you take my cap off amazing so that's Brad Pitt's real chipped tooth in this the dedication um <laughs> The other fun fact I've got. Uh, so this is uh, Helena Bonham Carter is in this. Yeah. Um, I know I always pronounce her name weird and wrong. <laughs> I think it's Helena Bonham Carter. Bonham, Bonham, Helena, Helena. Like I always say whatever it is, I can pronounce it wrong. I do. But anyway, uh, they have a lot of sex in this film. Right. Um, including one scene where like um, Ed Norton as Jack like opens the door and Brad Pitt's like, got a rubber glove on up to his elbow <laughs> which was brad pitt's little bit of improv nice. and they were like that's a bit much we might have to cut that and then when they did a test screening it got a massive laugh and they're like okay we're keeping the rubber glove great but they there's loads of outlandish crazy sex noise happening for the middle act of this film yeah so brad pitt and um helena, helena. yeah <laughs> together just for three days just recorded outlandish sex noises together <laughs> <laughs> for all of this film for all that whole section of this film so good. Mm. Uh, did he do a uh, Legend of the Fool affair as well? No, I don't think so. <laughs> there was a lot of improv in this film as well from Brad. Right. Um, between him and Ed Norton. I think him and Ed Norton got a lot of good chemistry together. Mm. And so they got to do like a lot of improv together for these roles. Because at this time he was with... Um... Uh, Jennifer Anderson, wasn't yeah, he? Is he this was before... With... This is when he was with Jennifer Anderson, I this think. This is before Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Right. I yeah, don't know. I just looked at the pictures He's on the red carpet. Everyone. Well, that's the they're the two biggies. Anyway, yeah. um, Fight Club definitely held up. I did still enjoy it. Surprisingly, I love um, 
I think Helena Bonham Carter was great in this as well. She was like the perfect, like, kind of quirky, yeah, like, and female role. I do like her. I don't think she's always used great. well. Yeah. yeah, always. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Not always used well. Mm. In this, like, per- I, th- I think that just the casting of this is perfect. Yeah. Him, her, and Brad and Ed Norton are just like. And Meatloaf, don't forget Meatloaf. And Meatloaf. And even, um, what's his name, Angel Face, Jared Leto. Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't even, I didn't even know it was him when I first watched this. No. Watching it back, I'm like, oh, there's so many people. Yeah. Anyway, so good. If you haven't seen it, don't hesitate. Who hasn't seen it by now? Um, But the thing is, you're saying that, I do know people who have watched this and just been like, they hate it. They think it's absolutely awful like, uh, to be That's fair a shame. brad was very hesitant he didn't want his parents to watch this mm. he really didn't want them to watch this this is the first <laughs> time we did it was like he was like asking them like please don't watch it that's a sign of a good film though right and they did i think they got up to the bit where he's doing the chemical burn on ed norton's hand right and they were like i've had enough <laughs> oh that was what like yeah turned them off they okay. were just like okay i've had enough now <laughs> um but yeah fight club iconic performance and really the one that i think people started going oh this guy's good They're paying attention yeah off the back of that snatch another absolutely wacky character he's in wacky town at the moment i feel like he's doing a lot of like gritty roles mm-hmm. like really he's trying, trying to shake heartthrob down town. and dirty yeah. um i'm doing stuff that is like on the knife edge this is an interesting film i don't know if i'd actually seen it before no you hadn't i don't really like this film. I know a lot of people love it. Hmm. I don't really Guy Ritchie think, films. I don't really like Guy Ritchie films. Yeah. Um, That's very one note for me. They don't do it for me. They've got... I don't think I'm the right audience. No. I get Ritchie why people films. like him and I know a lot of people do love his films, but... It's a very, like, laddie film. This is, like, his best film, probably. And yeah. I still don't think it's very good. <laughs> um, so, basically, he's, like, an Irish boxer. But he's like a, a traveller. Bit... Yeah, he's a gypsy. Yeah. So kind of a bit of an Irish accent, but very specific travel mm. accent. But the reason he and got it's all just like role, shenanigans, isn't it? Basically, the whole film is just a, like comeuppance and he's a bare knuckle boxer. Yeah, but he's an unassuming one. Fuck me! Just look at the size of him. How big are you? Hey kids, how big is he? He's a big man, that's for sure. Hey man, come on, look at the size of this fella. Bet you back a little, can't you? Ah, uh, you look like a boxer. Get out of the way, Mickey. See if the fellas would like a drink. Oh, I could murder one. We know more than done around here, I don't mind telling you. Get your hands out of there, you cheeky little joy. Cup of tea for the big fella. Come on. Now, don't be silly, Mickey. Offer the man a proper drink, oh. right? Oh, you little fucker. Do you like dags? Dags. What? Yeah, dags. Dags? Do you like dags? Oh, dogs. Sure. I like dags. The role was written for him. Right. So he loved Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, mm-hmm. which was Guy Ritchie's debut, and contacted Guy Ritchie and said, I'd love a part in your next film. Yeah. So Guy Ritchie was like, yeah, okay, let's meet up. They got chatting. Guy Ritchie soon realized that Brad Pitt could not do a London accent to save his life and say, mm, okay, I'm going to have a think. Do? Oh, wait, and you're in that. And then added this film. whole element to the plot, which is what I remember about this film. Right. The bare knuckle boxing side yeah. of the story and like... Brad Pitt as the traveller and the gypsy camp mm. added that in to make a role for Brad. It adds quite like a good like bit of spice in though because I like Guy Ritchie's films are all just it. like 
London geezers. Without it, it would just be Lockstock again, but with a diamond. Yeah. And also the tumultuous history with travellers in the UK, mm. uh, which makes I don't it think they've the been portrayed on film like this before. No. No. And I think it was accurate and interesting. <laughs> In some ways. Cartoonish, but then a lot of like accuracy as well. Yeah. Interesting. Like um, I said, gritty. Yeah. He didn't wash a lot during filming. <laughs> I feel a bit like, like he's the vampire doing movie. a little bit of like method acting though. Maybe. And I like what he used for a lot of reference for some of the accent stuff. Yeah. He watched a lot of Father Ted. and the idea of Brad Pitt sitting there watching Father Ted is very comical to me that's all I need to know about this film (laughs) but yeah I understand that people love Snatch who like Guy Ritchie films I don't really like Guy Ritchie films and I've seen this film now probably five times and I just it's just so silly like I don't know not my my fave Um, the Mexican I've seen but barely remember and didn't rewatch him and Julia Roberts basically yeah I don't. I bet we didn't rewatch it, did we? No, no. I've only I saw it many, many moons ago. I didn't feel the need to rewatch it. Mm. Um, We did watch Spy Game, which I'd never seen. Right. Which was another Tony Scott movie. Him and Robert Redford. Yeah. So it's Robert Redford's basically the old school spy, Mm. like bringing up a new like uh, protege. Yeah, and he's going to retire. Yeah. I liked it. Did you? I like Robert Redford. I love Robert Redford, but this film, these spy movies, I just can't enjoy them. Well, it's basically him, it's Robert Redford in like the war room, isn't it? And Mm. he's getting, um, he's a bit under the microscope for what And Bran's gone a little bit rogue. rogue, Yeah, Mm. and he's trying, he's got a good history of him and he's trying to get him out of the shit. Yeah, he's covering for him. And it's it's kind of, um, in the war room, it's kind of chess- they're mm-hmm. playing chess with um, them and like the heads of uh, CIA, basically. So Brad turned down a very prominent role for this film. Really? He turned down the Bourne movies oh. as Jason Bourne. He turned down the role of Jason Bourne to do this. I didn't know that. Yeah, because he wanted to work with Redford again. They'd worked, obviously, Redford directed him in his first major role, which was a river run for it. Do you think he would have worked as the Bourne? I don't know. I feel like Matt Damon is born. That is like yeah. his role in it. Some every now and then, an actor just like, oh, Embodies they found their it. role and that's who they are. Mm. And like Matt Damon's Jason Bourne, aren't he? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I did like this. I love Robert Redford, um, and it's a good. I like seeing them like when he's like reminiscing when they first started out. I love seeing like spy movies. Mm. Yeah, not my fave, but um, uh, so next. We, oh, he's appears in Friends. Yeah, yeah. 2001. I think all of the guys, a lot lot of the cast of Ocean's Eleven have appeared in Friends. Like Clooney's been in Friends, he's been in Friends, Roberts has been in Friends. So, yeah, let's talk about Ocean's Eleven then. Yeah. Um, Because this is a role he reprises in, like, the subsequent sequels. This is a role that people love him for. Yeah. People love these films. Really famous film. People love this film. This came out when I was a teenager. It's one of them films that I didn't watch when it came out because I was like, "Mm, Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, oh, Mm -hmm. girly film. Watched it like most people thought, oh, that's really fun. Yeah. And I haven't seen it since then. Right. When I rewatched it now, Mm. I was really looking forward to rewatching it. And I didn't, I really didn't enjoy it. I really didn't enjoy it. I was bored. I think it, um, at the time, it was like, Everything just fell into place for this film. Like, all the... I think everything just came together with this film. Like, 2011, Clooney, Pitt, Julia Roberts. Like, there's a lot of great people in this. It felt dated now. 
I really even for me yeah even compared to ones he'd done before it mm. like this felt way more dated than like Fight Club or Seven or things like this just felt like oh a little bit of sign of the times yeah I don't know maybe I'm being a killjoy like I know people love this film but I just on, re- on a revisit I was so like oh this is not a great film mm, I really for me I know right. yeah it's a 7.7 yeah well, fuck that this is what I think <laughs> I don't I, I don't know there's lots of films that are great I don't like I, I'm not saying that it I think it ages okay I, I think, think it's a sign of the times this. I think people remember this as being better than it is right I think it was clever at the time because it was like oh like that you don't um, you don't see the twist right until the very end right. and it was a surprise so this is the one you said about earlier he's always eating yeah and this is famously the one that he's like eating in like nearly every scene I think he eats more than he says he like most scenes he's in he's mm. in and this was his idea he was like can we have him eating all the time it's like his thing yeah because he was so busy because he was so involved in this film right that he had had no like time to eat right off set off <laughs> off um, he was just hungry off set yeah it was so sheer like he was selfishness just like, I'll just have my character eating and it gives me a chance to eat I love that so I can just eat while we're filming right um, and this becomes a th- like a running thing in Brad Pitt's films Especially in the Oceans films. Yeah. Because um, that is this character. He's always Also, eating. I think for the characters, well, it makes him a little bit more mysterious because instead of answering somebody, he just like stuffs his face full of something and you're just like, okay, so instead of... It's more like he doesn't give an answer. Thing is, it does sort of come back to bite him on the arse at some points because there's one scene where he eats a shrimp. Right. But they had to keep refilming that scene. So end up with him eating 40 shrimp in a row <laughs> to get that shot. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So that's that's a lot of shrimp. Forty shrimp, but this is a thing in Brad Pitt films. Hmm. Is this the catalyst? Yeah, right. Is it a thing in his films? I just saw yeah. this thing in the Oceans films. No, he's always eating. Yeah, in he's a all of his boy. films, he's always eating, and I kind of love it. Like the peanut butter. Oh like yeah, that's today, in Joe Black. In the Troy films, was he he's eating, eating in, in the tent? Yeah, right. you were like, why is he shaking them nuts? Oh and yeah, then eating in the tent. <laughs> um. I was like, why is he shaking them nuts? You're right. Um, yeah, all of his films he's eating. I've got a great fact for this one. Why is he shaking his nuts? No, for this film. Right. For Ocean's Eleven. Go on. This might be my favourite fact I discovered today. Okay. So, you know that at one point he rushes in disguised as a doctor? Yeah. He's wearing a wig. Right. Do you know what that wig's from? No. <laughs> That's Mike Myers' Austin Powers rehearsal wig. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you dropped a yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? What a great fact. I love, um, I really think that I love Brad Pitt's sense of humour. Mm. I can't remember what it was. There was another film where he, his, oh, True Romance. His character's wearing a weird hat in that and he found that like on a pier when they were filming and then like washed it and wore it in the, for like the next scene. He's so weird. He's so bohemian. When he has his... Be- I think he's way more like off the cuff and like mm. bizarre than people think he is because he's so like red carpet. It's Brad Pitt. He's like heartthrob desirable. I think he's really weird and like bizarrely funny. I think funny he's very silly. In real life. I think he has a very silly sense of yeah. humor. Guys, what's first lesson in poker? Never bet on the... Uh... No, uh, leave emotion at the door. That's right, Topher. Today's lesson, how to draw out the bluff. 
That much money, this early in the game, I'm saying he's holding nothing better than a pair of face cards. Bear? I will see your 500, and I will raise you another 500 of my own. That's a very handsome bet, Josh. But be careful. We don't want to push him too high too fast. I'm going to keep him on the leash. Holly? Call. 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 And I'll call. I'll see you 500. Raise it 2,000. Guys, you're free to do what you like. It's a lot of money. But I'm staying in. He's trying to buy his way out of his bluff. So for you, Ocean's Eleven held up. You enjoyed it still? Yeah. I didn't try and I didn't try and compare it to stuff today though, because I remember just at the time it was like unique. Mm. And it was great. And it mm. was like it was cool and sophisticated and it ha- it oozed like charm. That's, that's like the everybody thing that- was slick. That's what I didn't like about it this time. I agreed with that. When I watched it as a teenager, I was like, hey, this is cool. And when I this time, I was like, this isn't cool. This is lame. Like, I it didn't feel scrutin- slick to I me. I think you were scrutinising it too yeah, much. Yeah, maybe, maybe I was in a bad mood when I watched it. Uh, but yeah, he worked with George Clooney. And then after this, George Clooney has his directorial debut mm. with Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which is a film I love mm. with Sam Rockwell. Which- but Brad has a little cheeky cameo in that on yeah. the, like, the blind date show. Yeah. Uh, what do they call it? The dating game. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Chuck Barris. And yeah, you get a little Brad Pitt cameo in that. Nice. And then that leads us on to Troy. Yeah. Which, which we're halfway is, through. Which is where we'll stop this half of the recording. Because we are currently, as Becca said, halfway through watching Troy. So we will watch... Do you want to do hot... Part one now, part two later? No, no, no. We'll, we'll watch the whole the thing and then bang. I'll come back. Yeah. Okay. So we're halfway through watching Troy. The director's cut, which is... How long is it? Three, Three hours, hours and 16 minutes long. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. So, Jeff Armstrong, I wasn't going to watch this, but you recommended it as one you liked, you enjoyed. Well, I'd seen the normal cut, um, and the normal cut is... Two and a half hours, something like that, two forty. Yeah. It's, what, it's a historical movie, so I'm just going to make you watch it because I like watching them. This is long. Um, I was like, yeah, okay, let's do director's cut. I accidentally got the director's cut, hmm. so I was like, let's do it. And I wasn't going to watch it. Jeff Armstrong, regular contributor, suggested this is one I enjoyed. I thought, isn't that a real stinker? 7.2, baby. Looked it up and not bad reviews for this. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. Historical stuff isn't my bag normally with these sort of films. Let's do it. Learn yourself something. So Jeff, I'm halfway through the three hour plus director's cut. The first half I'm finding really slow, but it's about to heat up. They're literally on two sides of a battlefield as we stop this recording. And it's about to, shit's about to hit the fan, basically. So we'll be back. We'll be back after these adverts to talk about what I thought of Troy, mm. as well as the rest of Brad Pitt's filmography. Nice. And then finally to talk about our favourites. Watch this space. See yeah. you in a second. See you in a bit.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We're back. We've reconvened after two weeks since we recorded the first half. Has it been that long? Yeah, it's been a while. It took us that long to get free Troy. <laughs> um, we watched the extended cut, didn't we? Yes, which we spoke about, I think, before we went. <laughs> but well, we said we said we were in the middle of watching the three-hour-plus cut yeah. of Troy. So, what did you think? Um, it was all right. It was really long. I would say I on, the, on think... the whole, yeah, I didn't love it. Right. But, 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 the one fight scene was amazing. Like the sword hand-to-hand scene with Eric Banner and Brad Pitt mm-hmm. when they had their, like, duel. Oh, when they're outside the gates? Yeah. Yeah. That bit was amazing. Yeah. Uh, that sword fight was so good. Yeah. I love the choreography in it when um, Brad Pitt's character, like, runs and then he, like, he does it a few times. Yeah, he, that's like, like his signature he, move. Like, he lunges. Round. Yeah, it's like a stab, twist and down with his yeah. knife. It's like a, his signature, like, He kind shunt. of, like, um, he does it, like, literally in the first scene, doesn't he? Yeah. He kills that big guy. And he's, like, it's a massive guy. He's, like, he sort of jumps and him. twists and slunges down he, as he twists. Yeah, he hits him in, like, the shoulder and or neck. Yeah. And it goes, like, down through his body and kills mm. him. Um, but in this, Banner's, like, blocking him every time. Yeah. It's a really good, it's a really good well, fight scene. He was, like... You're the best I've yeah. fought kind of thing. So that scene was amazing. The rest of it kind of missed me, but these aren't my sort of films. Right. I don't think I've seen the extended cut before. I normally watch like just the standard Yeah, I know you've seen the normal It's a bit before. more punchy. Um, it does chop out some of like the chaff, I think. It fe- I felt like it... I- I kind of wish I didn't watch the extended. I feel like it would have been better shorter. Because mm, it's trying to... Bit more it like felt snappy. a little bit like them old historical epics you would get 
right. like Clash of the Titans, mm-hmm. which is not a complaint, but like then old sort of really long historical films that would be on like all afternoon. Yeah. It felt like a bit of a throwback to that, which I yeah. can get behind, but I've never been into that sort of film. Mm. But it was better than I thought it would be. But like I said, I knew it wouldn't be for me and it wasn't really my sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brad, to get, he had to get the body for this. Right. He had to get the body of a Greek god. Yeah. Yeah, so they wanted his body to look like one of the Greek god's statues. Yeah. Um. So he had like a very spe- specific training regime to get ready for this role. Six get months. Sculpted. Get to get like, I, I, maybe I should take six months off work. If that's how you can look in six months, I think it's hard to maintain it. Totally worth it. Um, I yeah, feel like once probably. you've got it, it just stays, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He actually said that he found the most torturous part of filming this and doing the regime was that he had to quit smoking. Oh, I didn't know that he smoked. Oh, he did before that. Hmm. Um, And ironically, he tore his left Achilles tendon whilst filming this. Oh, my God. For those who don't know, he plays Achilles in this. Um, So I just think this is like a pretty good, like, watching hunky men run around ancient Greece. Um... Kind of epic storyline. Mm. Of that classic genre. Mm. I've got my favourite My favourite genre. <laughs> my favourite bit of trivia from this, and I just pulled up IMDb where I read this. Mm-hmm. It's the number one fact on there. Right. Brad Pitt and Eric Banner did not use stunt doubles for their epic duel, the one I was Whoa. talking about. They made a gentleman's agreement to pay for every accidental hit. $50 for each light blow and $100 for each hard blow. Oh. So every time they accidentally hurt the other one, they would given that money and how it would move and whoever, okay. however it ended up that's how they pay so where did it end up at <laughs> i don't know pitt ended up paying banner 750 dollars and banner did not owe pitt a thing <gasps> oh my god he <laughs> so beat the pitt shit out of banner pitt got spanked <laughs> well he didn't well he... yeah but he got spanked on his wallet right, i guess okay yeah. oh my god so sloppy step out brad <laughs> but yeah, Troy, uh, like I say, not my favourite genre, but it was what it was. It was fine. Yeah. A film I didn't think was fine, Ocean's 12. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I rented this from the library. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you can't really complain if it was like a It thing. was a really disappointing day for me. <laughs> I rented this and the film Anger Management <laughs> with Robert De Niro and Adam Sandler. Right. They were just like the two films in the library I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. And I watched them both in the afternoon. I watched Anger Management first, hated it, and I was like, oh, God, well, at least I like Ocean's 12 because I like the first one. Yeah. And then I hated this It too. fell a bit short, didn't it, unfortunately? Yeah, and I've never seen Ocean's 13 because I hated 12 so much, even though I understand better. it's better, yeah. Yeah. So what you've seen, obviously you've seen 12 and 13. So yeah. I, I can't really remember them that well. I mean, we kind of spoke about the franchise a little bit already. Did, did either of them get anywhere close to the first one? Um, Ocean's 12 is probably not worth your time, but Ocean's 13's all right. But can you watch 13 without 12? Um, like, I mean, you could. I don't know <laughs> if it'd be that. I don't know. It depends how Maybe invested just, you are in the overarching plot, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I like watching the characters. Um, Brad Pitt's character, like, takes a real turn. Oh, really? Yeah. What, in 12? 13. Oh, so I don't remember 12, I just remember that I don't like it. Yeah. Oh. Come and have a look at this photo. That's a disguise, though, isn't it? It's the Master of Disguise. 
<laughs> You'll have to watch it and find out. <laughs> it's so tempting. No, I'll give it a miss. Um, so you really have anything more to say on 12 and 13? They're just not as good as 11. Yeah. But 13 better than 12. Yeah. And that's Ocean's The Whole Trilogy. <laughs> yeah. A film that we watched for the Cape Blanchett film, the uh, mm. Cape Blanchett episode was Babel. Yeah. Uh, where him and Cape Blanchett are a couple. And that's a film that sort of splits between multiple different characters. Yeah. So they have a relatively small section. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they're tourists uh, in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And Cape Blanchett gets shot. It's like it's like accidental. It's an accident. Like yeah, she accidentally gets shot by, yeah. some, by some kids. Well, they're on a bus, aren't they? They're so like she she gets to sp- yeah they're on a tour bus, but she gets to spend the whole film laying on her back, going ow, and he gets to spend the whole film at her side, going we'll get us out, we'll get out of here, and then running to a phone and trying to work out transport out of there. Yeah, so it's just like stressed. It is just him stressed, making phone calls and holding his wife's hand. Mm-hmm. But I do really love this film. Yeah. Yeah, and it's great. I actually, I, even though they don't have a great massive section, it's one of the smaller storylines going yeah. on. It's still really good. Yeah. Um, because there's a sort of a bit of complications to their relationship. They're going for a rough patch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're not. Um, where did you say they were? They're in Morocco. Oh, they're in Morocco. Yeah. I thought it was the Middle East for some reason. So it's in Morocco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So North Africa. Yeah. Uh, but really, really good film. Um, he gave up a role in the film The Departed. Mm. which you spoke about in the Leo pod a really great film but he uh, gave up a role in that to do Babel wow because he was such a big fan of um, Inarito the director he Mm -hmm. wanted to work with him for so long so he was like cool I'm taking this jump to the opportunity exactly Um, and that's Babel like we spoke about it before it's a great film his role isn't huge because it is like a truly a big ensemble film like Mm. no one's got a big role in that film yeah. But great film. So next, um, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. <laughs> I'll tell you a story about that scalawag George Shepard. Shepard's one of Quantrell's lieutenants. He gave me a story much like Bob's what bring him to mind. Going on about how much we hadn't come and so on so we could get in the gang. How could I have known he had a grudge against me? How could I have known he was... Line to get on my good side. I said, George, come on aboard. Glad to have you. George thought he was smart, except he wasn't. One morning, George rides into camp, and about 20 guns opened up on him. <laughs> See, old George, you only had one eye. You got two eyes, you want to get Jesse. <laughs> Glad you said the full title of that film. Yeah. Uh, Brad actually signed a contract after he read the script to this film when he signed up for it. Mm. And in his con, obviously, he had to sign a contract to sign up to the film, but in his contract, he had stated that um, that the film's title Mm. could not be changed. Okay. He loved the long, direct title on the script and Mm -hmm. was like, stated in his contract, I'm signing up to this, but it is in my contract that this title cannot be changed. Because he knew, like, obviously the the studio would be like, oh, can we make it a snappy mm-hmm. title? Right. Did we talk about this at the Sam Rockwell episode? Yeah, we talked about it on the Sam mm. Rockwell. Um, and I'll put some more music because this has an amazing score. So there will be some amazing music playing underneath. It's been a while since I saw it, but I just know I love it. It's a great film. Yeah. We also spoke about this on the Westerns episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we spoke about this the third time we spoke about this film. Oh, well, just go back and 
see what I said about on those episodes. Yeah, this is. <laughs> I think this might be the first one that he's credited as producer on. So from this point on, he's like he produces most of the films that he's in, or is a producer on them, as well as many other films. Nice. And this is his personal favorite film that he's ever done. Yeah, I feel like um, that doesn't surprise me because it really comes across. I think this film feels like everyone involved is very They're passionate about the project. Yeah. yeah, it's just a really well-made, very very good film. Yeah, and it's one of them ones that I don't think everyone's seen. Like we mm. talk about Pitt films, not everyone has seen this one, but yeah. the people that have always gush about it. Yeah. I haven't ever met anyone who said, oh, I wasn't very good. Like, anyone who's seen this says it's a great just film, knows. but just not everyone's seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, it's got uh, Casey Affleck with him as well, which he was in the Oceans films with. Yeah. Um, really good cast. But yeah, we oh, have spoken about... Renner. Has he worked with Jeremy Renner before? No, I don't think it's their only, Is it? anything they're in together. I feel like, I don't know why I put them together. Anyway. I didn't say anything they're in together. Um, the next one. But yeah, Assassination, sorry, Assassination Jess James. We spoke about it multiple times. You know we love it. Yeah. We do. So let's talk about Burn After Reading. Uh, this was a recommended recommended film. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so Mark Shacko, again, he recommended another film earlier on, uh, True Romance, I think. Uh, but he said this is an outstanding comedic performance from Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. And this is... Um, He's with George Clooney again. Yeah. And this is a Coen Brothers movie. Now, I've said, I might have even said it on this episode, I'm not a fan of Coen Brothers comedies. Yeah. I They're a swing and a miss for me. Yeah. Uh, oh, I did say about this episode because I said about how I'm not a big fan of... Um, I'm not a big fan of Terry Gilliam films. Mm. Even though I appreciate they're good. Mm. I just don't like his outlandish right, yeah. approach. stuff, And it reminds me of Coen Brothers. And then this is that. Yeah. I, Coen Brothers' comedic sensibilities don't gel Resonate, with me. Resonate, yeah. No. So this is a great cast, but yeah. it just fell flat for me. And I know that other people love it, but I'm just not a big fan of Coen Brothers' comedies. Mm, yeah, same. They just, um, yeah, they just don't resonate with me. I just don't, um, they don't appeal. But no. um, that's fine. it's an amazing cast. Yes, it's And so I think if I... I don't know, I can imagine loving it if it was my bag. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that's what I mean. All Coen Brothers movies, I appreciate they're good films. Yeah. Like, Coen Brothers are good filmmakers. I'm not yeah. disputing that. They just don't sit well with me. Mm. And I always want to like them because they get the coolest, like, casts involved yeah. in their films. I love Francis, Francis McDormand. She's great. Mm. And I actually like Fargo by them, which is the one that kind of straddles. It's part comedy, part drama, and she mm. has the real starring role in that. Yeah. So let's move on to The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yes. Which I actually only watched really recently for the first time. You watched it for the Kate Blanchett episode. I did, yeah. And um, you liked it. I did like it. Because it was in your f- top four for Kate, I think. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, it's so long, but like worthwhile. I said it reminds me of a bit of Forrest Gump in that episode. Yeah. And it does. And I also it's, said I'm I'm not the biggest fan of it that I appreciate, but I appreciate that it's good and people love it. Yeah, I just really like the unique um like storyline and just how it was a little bit like bizarre and off kilter and um and i also just really liked the earnest like loving relationship that they had Mm. like despite everything for what it's worth it's never too late or in In my my case too early to be whoever you want to be there's no time limit start whenever you want you can change or stay the same. There are no rules to this thing. We can make 
the best or the worst of it. I hope you make the best of it. I hope you see things that startle you. I hope you feel things you never felt before. I hope you meet people with a different point of view. I hope you live a life you're proud of. If you find that you're not, I hope you have the strength to start all over again. I do appreciate that it is a good film. Mm. Yeah. I just, I don't know what it, well, I don't know why. Doesn't it doesn't quite sit with I don't you. know why. Hmm. Just something about it misses me. But uh, this was a recommendation as well. Hmm. This is um, Emma, who I record Thanks, my Emma. Simpsons podcast with. She likes this one. Yes. Yeah, she recommended a few. Um, and this was an Oscar nominated performance for him. Didn't win, <sighs> but he was nominated. Uh, and this is his third film with David Fincher. Right. We spoke about they did Seven together, they did Fight Club together. Okay. Wow, what a weird trio. But all very um, arresting films, I think. Yeah, Finch definitely. is a good filmmaker. He can, like, captivate his audience. Mm. Yeah, and obviously a lot of makeup. Yes. Five hours a day to get into makeup, basically, for a lot of the sections of this film. Because uh, if you don't know, this is the film where he's, like, born an old man and ages backwards. So you, he has to perform at all different ages. Mm. It's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the longest film, but it's based on a short story. I think the short story is like 27 pages or something. Really? Wow. It's really well done. Really well done. But like, see, we're getting we're sort of blasting through these a little bit because they're all ones we've talked about on other podcasts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so do you feel the same way about it as you did on the Kate yeah. Blanchett one? Yeah. So next, another one that was recommended by Emma. She said, with her three selections, she said very different films, mm-hmm. but all great. Yeah. And it was Benjamin Button, Thelma and Louise. And Inglorious Bastards. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I'm putting together a special team, and I need me eight soldiers. Eight Jewish American soldiers. Now, y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're going to be dropped into France dressed as civilians. Once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're going to be doing one thing, and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I sure as hell didn't come down from the goddamn Smoky Mountains, cross 5,000 miles of water, fight my way through half of Sicily, and jump out of a fucking aeroplane to teach the Nazis lessons in humanity. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They're the foot soldiers of a Jew-hating, mass-murdering maniac, and they need to be destroyed. That's why any and every some bitch we find wearing a Nazi uniform, they're gonna die. Amazing, amazing film. I never think of this one when I think of Tarantino films that I love, but I genuinely, it's like really underrated, I think. I love it. I think um, this feels really different to his other yeah. films. To me, it's the one, the most different. Yes. Yeah, totally. I think that's why I kind of, like, I don't. Like, they're not synonymous with him. Like, it's not synonymous with him. I just kind of, like, gravitate towards other ones. But, like, I I think the first time I watched this, I was kind of, like, blown away by just, like, the complexity of it all. But then, like, mm. the simplistic way that it, they it comes across. Just, like, there's so many levels 
but then it's so like hard hitting as well and like just silly and interesting and like and serious and yeah it's a really interestingly shot film because it is just low well not loads but like it's a quite a long film but it's just a handful of really long scenes mm. Um, which we have spoke about this film kind of in depth more in our uh, Quentin Tarantino 4 on 1 more episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But as for Brad Pitt's role in this, I love it. Yeah. I think he's so funny. I think think this role is, he's like, this is my favourite comedic performance of his. Yeah. I think this film as well is where I really noticed um, him putting on the underbite. Right. Like obviously it's, a big part of the character. Mm. And then since we've watched loads of other ones, I'm like, oh, it's coming. Like, yeah, you can see like a little a, twinge a of it. Because like when little... he does that underbite, he's got quite like he, quite a big like chin, like desperate down. Like, like a square <laughs> jaw. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just like noticed it. Mm. But I think this is where he like used, this used is where it. You, yeah, it's more pro- most prominent in yeah. this film. But it's amazing part of the character. Yeah, the character's just so outlandish. Like you say, in a film which is so dramatic and got some very harrowing moments in it. Yeah. This is absolute caricature in amongst it all. Yeah. But that, I don't know, it works. Like, a lesser filmmaker, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh, it's so jarring. It's like one, one minute it's this, one minute it's that. But somehow it all comes together to make this weird film. Yeah. They, I don't... There's really nothing like this film. I don't think people appreciate how weird and unique this film is. Yeah, it's kind of hard to watch, but then it's also funny. Yeah. Like it's a comedic, like horror, not horror film, like gory. Yeah, it's It's horrific. But then you've also got a lot of stuff about like French cinema during the war. Yeah. Like that's that's most of the film is like half the film is about like French cinema Mm. during wartime. Um, Christoph Waltz is incredible in this as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the whole cast is great in this. This is a great cast. Yeah. So this is up there, I think, mm. um, in terms of my some of my favourite Brad um, and also some of my favourite Tarantino. Mm. Uh, next, he did The Tree of Life, which he was also a producer on. Now, I watched this when it came out. Mm. I think we both did, actually. And I was really excited to watch this film. I loved the trailer and I was like, this is going to be amazing. Mm and unfortunately I just found it kind of boring. Mm. And it's like an arty Terrence Malick film, so that's to be expected, but I did just, it did just fall flat for me. Yeah, I think it was just missing a, like that spark. I mean, for some people, I can I get that for some people this film's probably like a masterpiece. You just didn't get it. And I got it. I just, uh, it just didn't hit me right. And mm. I guess for this sort of film, you really have to be in the right mindset for. Mm. And they are definitely not for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but didn't didn't love it, Tree of Life. Another one I didn't love, which is one you haven't seen, mm-hmm. um, was World War Z. Right. Which he was also a producer for. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, so this this is a, a crazy fact. So at the time World War Z came out, World War Z, whoever, wherever you are in the world, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, this was the highest grossing film of his career. Whoa. Really? Yeah. And I don't know anyone that's even seen this film. This film just looks like a big joke to me. I watched it because I was like, what? Zombie pandemic. It looks ridiculous. Kind of thing, yeah. I don't know. Like, this is not a good Brad film. It's not a good zombie film. It's not a good action mm. film. It has a couple of cool scenes, but it's so forgettable. Do you think it's the genre or do you think it's just the whole thing? It did hit right in the peak of like zombie mania. Right. With that boom of zombie media. With like um, Walking Dead and stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. There was a real boom. In zombie video games were like through the roof and mm-hmm. like Walking Dead, yeah. And this came right in the middle of that. So it's that must have been why. Just uh, rode off the wave of um, zombies. It's just like we need a big budget Hollywood zombie movie. Yeah. And it's this. And it's just like, God, I, it's not like gritty enough for a zombie movie. I want my zombie movies to be kind of grimy. Mm-hmm. It's just too like flashy. Yeah. Um, but he only he said he did this because um, his sons like zombie movies. Right. He wanted to do a film that his sons would actually like watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why he did it. Hmm. And I always forget he's got kids. <laughs> yeah. So I like the idea of Brad sitting around watching zombie movies with his kids, though. <laughs> uh, see, we, we are really flying through these because the next one is 12 Years a Slave. Um, and he was a producer on this. I'm just trying to think, like, his character's not very... He's, no, he's not barely a big it. role, yeah. No, he's barely in it. It's... But the, well, my criticism of it, and everyone's criticism of it, is he is like the epitome of a white saviour character. Right. He kind of saves the guy. He pops up at the end of the film and saves the dude who's on the run. Right. The falsely imprisoned guy, the falsely imprisoned slave. Mm-hmm. So he was criticised for like inserting himself into a film that he produced, being the guy that's like, you know, I'm the white guy and I like black people. Like the one right, yeah. heroic white guy mm-hmm. to be the white saviour archetype. And we talked about this earlier in the episode about how, like, sometimes when you're a producer, you can do things for the right reason or the wrong reason or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he really wanted this film to get made. Mm-hmm. That's why he stepped in and acted as a producer and stuff for it. Yeah. But he said it was more likely to secure funding if he was in it. Right. So he put himself in this small role to be cast in it. Fair enough, but maybe... Just choose a different role. Yeah, read the room. <laughs> yeah, or like because it is jarring when you. I didn't know he was even in it when I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, it's Brad Pitt." Yeah, he's just like working he just on like a boat. Pops up at the end. If I remember rightly, he's just like working on a boat. Yeah, I can't, or something. I can't he's doing some carpentry exactly. of some kind. Yeah, and it's almost like can't they just get out of this situation themselves? It's literally like Chiwetel Age of Four is like stumbles through some. It might as well be as blunt as this. He stumbles through some brush, and Brad Pitt's are like, "Hey." Let's get you to safety. Yeah. The end. Like, he saved him. <laughs> like, it's really weird and jarring. Mm. But it is a good film. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a really good film. Um, Another on, good film. On then to Fury. Yeah. This film is great. This is a real underrated Next, film. Next, um, <laughs> um, this is everything that I like in a film. Uh, it's about um, tanks and war and men and um yeah sweating men inside a tank it's really good like the tension and like the camaraderie and everything is so palpable Mm. um basically brad plays like a tank commander called war daddy don't forget that (laughs) (laughs) um and him and his crew um basically like fight their way across germany yeah, well, there's only there's, there's one tank. Mm. They have to get this one tank across. Yeah, and it's their exploits. Yeah, they stop over at a small town for a bit, and yeah. it's their exploits of like sort of the tensions of having to live and transport inside this tank. Yeah, between these like I don't know, there's like four or five guys. Yeah, and everything that is it's going just on around them. them. Yeah, yeah. Um, he they said the shooting. Hmm. Um. Brad said, there was no rations, no showers. We were sleeping in the rain. It was miserable, but we loved it. Yeah. Like, he loved filming it. 
Really? And they were all just like in the shit together, you know? Right, yeah. And it, I think that comes across. In, Living it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, it's a grim film. It's really grim, but yeah. really fun. It's like yeah. a weird mix. It's, yeah, I can't really describe the vibe of it. Mm. Um, super unique feeling war film. Yes, because I don't could... know any other films that are just about a tank. Mm. Uh, like one tank battalion not even a battalion just yeah. like one group this has got a great cast as well yeah like some real a really un- interesting, interesting cast, cast yeah. yeah um it's like him Sheila Booth um Michael Pena um yeah loads of other people it's really good definitely put it on your to watch list uh but yeah so he did have to learn to man a tank for this film which is quite a cool thing to have to learn to do <laughs> Um, not many films have you have to go on a tank course, but he had to do yeah. that for a month. Oh, a man a tank. John Bernthal. Bernthal's in it as mm. well. Yeah, definitely watch it. Yes. <laughs> I, I, so it's another one a little bit like Assassination, where I think it goes under a lot of people's radar of Brad films. Mm. But anyone who's seen it is like, oh, it's really good. Yeah. So another one I don't know anyone that doesn't like this film. Mm. But it is grim. Mm-hmm. But it's good. It's grim, but it's good. Yeah. And he produced that? As he did, but so basically he produces all his films now. He produced right. uh, The Big Short. Yeah. Another good film. Another one where I feel like he doesn't have a massive role. Yeah, The Big Short. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, I really enjoyed this. It's been a while since I saw it. We watched it when it came out. Yeah. It came out a while ago now. 2015. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it's not. it's a great film, but it's not a big role. No. Um, it's based on a book by Michael Lewis. It's quite a unique role for him, though. I think he's more like scholarly. Yes. Um, it's all about the US mortgage market crash mm. stuff. It's based on like a nonfiction mm. book. It's actually written by the same guy who wrote the book Moneyball. Right. Okay. Which is also very all... real world Yeah. about figures and statistics and things like that. Mm. So that is this guy's, uh, what's the author called? Michael Lewis. That's like his wheelhouse. Okay. So cool. it's interesting that Brad's been involved in two adaptations of his non-fiction books. Yeah. Um, in for penny, in for pound. Yeah. Oh, very good. You really wanted more of a reaction out of that, didn't you? <laughs> I was just waiting for you to look up. Uh, but yeah, good <laughs> so film. Tragic. Small role, kind of like Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. Not in tone at all or topic, but his mm. in terms of he produced it. He has a small role in it, even though he's on the poster front and center. He's not. Mm. He's kind of removed from the main cast. Yeah. Well, literally, he's kind of like off on his own. Yeah. Hello, Ben. Hey. Guys. Yeah, we're here. Can you hear us? Guys. Yeah, we got you. Yeah. I hardly got cell phone or Wi-Fi service. I'm trying to sell $200 million worth of securities in a pub. Smells like sheep. You could do this. I don't want to pressure you, Ben, but if you don't pull this off, we lose everything. All right, let's see what Credit Suisse's appetite is. This is a brownfield fund. I'm wanting to unload my credit to fall swaps. What you got? 20 AA tranches of ABS CDOs. ABS? Are these, uh, these are pretty bad? Absolutely. They're complete shit. What's your, uh, what's your notional value? Face value is $205 million. All right, we could, uh, we could go to 40. No, we want at least $100 million. $100 million? What are you, a drug dealer or a banker? Because if you're a banker, you can fuck right off. Next up is Allied. Yeah. So we did cover this one on the Marion Cotillard uh pod a little mm-hmm. bit yeah she tutored his french for this he has to speak a little bit of french he kind of booked his i don't it, know I how think. successful he is no and this isn't a loved film even though we both thought it was all right yeah it was fine 
Um, but it then that's not exactly a great like gushing endorsement, is it? It's all right. Yeah, it was interesting. He plays like a Canadian, so I guess his French can sound slightly different. Yeah. I don't know what French, uh, Canadian French sounds like. But this is like a string of World War Two movies at yeah. this point. I think maybe, do you reckon he's kind of into the topic? I don't know. Well, he has German ancestry, so he's interested yeah. in German history. Mm. He's very interested in German history, so I guess that comes up. That's cool. I don't know if you knew this, but Germany had a quite a big part in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he did. Like he's done this. He's done Fury, Inglorious Bastards. He's done like a real string yeah. of World War II movies at this point. Mm. But yeah, this is the film where the rumours were going around that him and Mariam were having an affair. Mm. Um, but we sort of said on that previous episode. It's all unfounded Mm. and kind of seemed nonsensical. I think just because two actors have chemistry on screen doesn't mean that they are doing anything off screen. Well, it's the cynical, like we said then the film was kind of, the reason it's criticised is people say it's cynically made. They got like a a, a sort of very lusted after male actor Mm. and a very lusted after female actor and put them in a film together and was just like, look at these gorgeous people Mm. being spies. Right, yeah. And it's the cynicism of people like, oh, they're probably fucking each other. Mm. No, they weren't. But yeah, it is what it is. He mm. had a small cameo in Deadpool 2. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the Deadpool movies, but I did actually like the second one more because mm-hmm. I like time travel things. But his cameo is like, blink and you miss it. Yeah. Like to the point Literally. where I had to actually check that what I saw was right mm-hmm. after I watched the film. Mm. So that's a fun, that's a fun cameo. Mm. And finally, a film that we haven't really talked about much on this podcast before. <laughs> Uh, I think we gushed about it on the Leo episode. I've gushed about this on the Leo episode. I've gushed about this on the Films of 2019 episode. And I've gushed about this on the Tarantino 4 and 1 more episode. So just a quick recap then. I love this film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he finally won an Oscar. Yay. This was such a good role for Brad. Um, He absolutely nailed it. It was amazing. It was kind of like quintessentially him really complex character as well actually yeah yeah you think it's you think he's just like you think he's two-dimensional but he's really not yeah you do that (laughs) you know that's not my car that's my boss's car and if something were to happen to my boss's car well i'd get in trouble lucky for you he's got a spare Fix it. Ha 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 ha! Fuck you! Come one step closer and I will knock his teeth out. <sighs> Fix it. Can't at least get a rag to wipe my face first. Nope. Tire first. It's so great. Can we just stay up all night and watch this again, please? It's a brilliant film. And I, I, I'm still in the minority of people who actually like this film. I still haven't met another person that likes this film, which upsets me so much. Just I think it's watch to the very end. Like, not only that, like I was hooked 10 minutes in. 
Yeah. As soon as Brad got in that car and started driving around with the music oh. and all those long driving scenes of the music playing, everyone's like, it's so boring. He just tries to listen to music. I'm like, it's amazing. I could watch another three of those films, just that. Like, it's so cool. That cream Cadillac he drives around in. It's just like oozes like cool sex appeal. Well, they had it's to insane. borrow that car. Tarantino okay. borrowed that car that Brad drives around the whole film From with. From who? It's Michael Madsen's car. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so, and obviously Tarantino and Madsen must get on quite well. They've been done a lot of films together. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was, must have got him on the phone and be like, Michael. I need your car. I need to borrow your car for this film. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. That, like, kind of bumps Michael Madsen up in my like, opinion a little bit. It's yeah. Just because he's got he a drives around in that cream Cadillac. Yeah. Um, what a baller. <laughs> so, yeah, this was, like... Brad and Leo teaming up for the first time ever. Oh, it's so overdue and it was incredible. And Tarantino was just like gushing over working with them. He's like, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I get both of these guys in my film. He compared them to like the modern day um, Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Oh, yeah. He was like, these guys are like, should be together. And they loved working together. And they're like, yeah, we will do more films together. Oh, my God. It it is like Paul Newman or Robert Redford. Oh, Mm. my God. <laughs> I love that. They're gonna remake Butch Cassidy. Oh my god! <laughs> Brad and Leo. <laughs> oh, please, my shit. <laughs> They're gonna just remake all of it. They're gonna do the Sting. <laughs> oh please! Can we have Tarantino directing the Sting? <laughs> I would be well up for Tarantino directing a remake of the Sting <laughs> with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Fuck. Um, yeah, like we've gushed about this film. Take we both money. love this film. And Brad finally won his Oscar that he was overdue for. Interesting supporting actor. Mm. It's really a co-lead, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's that, a shame about the Oscars like that they don't... Can't have two people yeah, from one film like, in the same category. That's the only stuff. bummer, I think. Because mm. um, I think there's other films as well where you're just like, this person had as much screen time. They had as much screen time. Like, importance. Um, like the char- character-wise, as everyone, I've I can't remember what there was one film the, I'm specifically thinking of, but there was one. Um, yeah, we had to. I think it was one of them. We've spoken about it. Yeah, before, definitely, it's come up on a few of these episodes. But um, it's just a bit frustrating that it. I'm thinking of. Um, I think we're thinking of. Um, or one of them I'm thinking of is on the Marion Cotillard episode, where she couldn't be nominated for what was the weird musical with Daniel Day Lewis. She couldn't be nominated for mm. it because Penelope Cruz was nominated oh, yeah. for it because the studio wanted her and then Penelope Cruz went on to win the Oscar. Right. Even though most people that watched that film was like, Marianne's character was way more interesting yeah. and better. So that's a bit sucky of the Oscars. But it was mm. well-deserved. His performance was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I would say like co-lead, basically. It was they a both, co-lead. They have as much, I think they have, yeah. I looked up, I think they have it as the same amount of screen time. Yeah. Because when and they're not, as well, when they're not together... You cut back and forth, and then yeah. you've got equal amount of time in each of their stories. Yeah, um, because all the stuff with Brad, you've got him working at Leo's house. You've got him going to the ranch, yeah. the Manson ranch. Yeah, um, you've got all his stuff driving around, and yeah, mm. picking up girls. Yeah, so good. Um, but I won't bang on about it again. I promise. Just go and watch it and like it, and then yeah. I'll shut up. <laughs> right, okay. So we've come to his where we're currently at with Brad. Uh-huh. Sort of blitzed through that second half, but a lot of it is ones we've spoken about before. Yeah. So we'll go away, we'll come back, and we will talk about our favourite films. Yep. 
So, are you, are you ready? ready? <laughs> Ooh, jinx. Now you can't talk to someone's name. Becca, which ones did <laughs> you so, like? So sad. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? I actually found this really easy. I found it really hard. I made a short list and it only came down to five films and I was like, okay, which one of these would I skip off? Okay. Okay. So my... Um, are you just going first? Yeah, I am. You, All right. you asked me. Yeah, I suppose. I was we just doing joking. all of them? Just do your top four, yeah. yeah. In no particular order. Your favourite four my Brad Pitt films. My favourite uh, Brad Pitt films mm-hmm. are Seven Years in Tibet. Wow. Despite the accent. Yeah. Um, oh, this is so hard. Fury. Mm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And... Mm, the assassination of Jesse James mm. by the coward Robert Ford. Is that the full title? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just put the assassination of Jesse James, and then I was like, well. <laughs> I just wrote assassination because <laughs> spoiler, it's on my list too. Oh. Um, I guess I'll just go straight into then my four: assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Mm-hmm. I also have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, nice. Um, I've also got, and I was like, oh, should I do this? But fuck it. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I've got both of them in there. Yeah, that was like close. Yeah, and then uh, Fight Club. Right, nice. my four. But Fury was my number five. That was the one mm-hmm. I cut off. My, my short list was five and I was like, I was like, hoping okay, you were going to choose Inglorious Bastards because I was like, oh, I dropped one of the Tarantinos. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I know you go back and forth on those because when we've done, when you did like the Tarantino one, you did Inglorious over once more time, but in this you've gone once more time yeah. over and I know they flip-flop for you. Ah, oh, they're so close. Um, they are like both incredibly good films, but I was just like, I'm having both. Yeah. So both of the Tarantinos, mm-hmm. Assassination Just Chains, we both got. So. Mm-hmm. And then Fight Club, it's just I'm a classic. And I was so happy how well it held up. Yeah. So with that out of the way, um, what... His current known fours, we've already said, are Ad Astra. Moneyball, Mr. and Miss Smith, and 12 Monkeys. So I'm so glad that you remember because I didn't have it written down. Okay, so so they're his current four. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to change. I think they're definitely going to change. So what are you... Are there any, like, shoe-ins that you're like, this should be... He should be known I for this? I think Fight Club should be in there. So Fight Club's a defo. Because that is... He is at his peak. Right. Like, everybody knows this film. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows it's a Brad Pitt film, mm-hmm. and it's gr- it's a great, incredible film. Mm. So I think that when you think of Brad Pitt, synonymous with Fight Club, yes. Um, so I'm thinking we've both got on our list, and his favourite mm. assassination, of Jesse James. Oh, okay, cool. What do you think? It wasn't on my list, but yeah, maybe it should be up there. So Just because maybe. I didn't put it on there because it's a little bit more of an ensemble. But He's Jesse James. Yeah, I know, but it's like I a big I don't think cast. it's an ensemble at all. No? Okay. Right, okay. All right, yeah, cool. Um, Once Upon a Time has got to be on there because that's his Oscar nom. See, I had that as a question mark. Really? Mm. Right, okay. I've got Benjamin Button, even though I don't like it. Oh, oh I didn't have that at all. Because I know it's a, it's a very complex mm. film for him to have done, like playing all different roles. I know it's really popular mm-hmm. and it's long and it's epic. Mm. So I had that as a maybe. And I also had Seven because it's his first like true breakout. film. It's the one that's like, okay, he's not just a heartthrob mm. now. Okay, because I had Mr. and Miss Smith because it was like his oh, no. heartthrob moment. No. And also I think just the fact that it's him and Angelina and their relationship is I, just... Refuse. You can refuse one of mine, but I refuse. I hated that film. Yeah, I'm not saying it's good. I don't think he should be known for it then. Right. 
If it's not very good. He's okay. done films that are good. I would take Ocean's Eleven over that, and I wasn't a big fan of that either. Okay. So, Fight Club is in. <laughs> right, and the rest of them we disagreed on. <laughs> Fight so Club my, is in. I'll my, give you Assassination of Jesse James. My suggestions were out of seven, Assassination, Benjamin Button, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was going to throw in Glorious in there. Over Once Upon a Time? Because he won... Because mm. you said Once Upon a Time because he won the Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. That was okay. what I thought. That's what squeezed Inglorious over. I don't. They don't both need to be in there. Yeah. All right. Okay. Once upon a time in Hollywood. So Fight Club. Once upon a time in Hollywood. The assassination of Jesse James. Mm-hmm. And then I've I've got seven. Ocean's Eleven. Benjamin Button. I put Moneyball in there because I liked it. Moneyball is very good actually, mm. and it's a more it it's not gritty like these other ones we've got in there. Yeah. Um. I could. I could maybe do Moneyball. Okay. What are we leaving out? Well, fight, we've got Fight Club Assassination, Once Upon a Time. Mm, Moneyball. Do you think? Uh, it's a possibility. Like, it's like a bit of an underdog. Cause I, don't, what, I think is... people know like Benjamin Button more, but I think Moneyball is really great. Well, let's, do, let's say we've only got one of the Tarantinos. Yeah. Mm. So should we say we'll only do one of the David Finchers? Right. And we've already chosen Fight Club. Okay. So that means we'll leave off Seven and mm-hmm. Benjamin Button. Okay. So we've got one of his great Fincher collabs, one yeah. of his great Tarantino collabs. And two others. Okay. Uh, Assassination, which favorite. is his favourite. And then one more. So take up. So I've got, I would even take Ocean's Eleven just because I know I'm in the minority of not finding that fun. As like a fun also, part yeah, of an it's ensemble. it's another like really good. So I would say to you, what do you want? Ocean's Eleven or Moneyball? I want Moneyball, but I think we should go Ocean's. Do you? Yeah, just because it's, like the popular choice. Okay. I don't find his character very good in Ocean's Eleven. I just find him sits in the background munching food. But that's, I he guess that's the character in it. He does eat a lot of food, it. doesn't he? Yeah. But if you, do you want to do Ocean's Eleven then? Yeah, sure. All right. Cool. I'm not happy about Ocean's Eleven, but I'll take it. Anything to not have Mr. and Mrs. Smith in there. So let's do a recap. Okay. Uh, your top four are? Seven Years in Tibet, The Assassination of Jesse James, Fury, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And mine are Fight Club, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, Inglorious Bastards, and Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood. Nice. And his new known fours that we've decided on are Fight Club. Ocean's Eleven. The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. And Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood. Yes. Um, There we go. That was a good one. That was really tough. He's done some amazing stuff. Yeah, for me, it wasn't that hard to pick my favourites just because they are like stand so out. they they loom so large. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of good films. A lot, yeah. a lot of good films. Um, he's had a really long and amazing. I don't want to say really long. He's not that old, but he's had a really great jam packed. Like, yeah, and it's like we always career. Like we always say, it's interesting to like watch the ones that you would not have watched yeah, for any other reason than if oh, we were yeah. doing the show. Like, I would never have watched or even heard of um, A River Runs Through It. Yeah. But I really like that film. Yeah. I really like that film. So Some real like hidden gems in there. Yeah. Uh, so, great episode. Um, we already said next time we're foregoing our usual choices. We're doing a retrospective on uh, Chadwick Boseman's career after his tragic passing this year. We are just going to watch everything he's been in, mm. including some which is just like a cameo. But mm-hmm. we're dedicated to doing the filmography. Yeah. So we'll go through all of them. And we're currently uh, probably about halfway, so that'll yeah, be coming soon. Yeah, probably about soon. halfway. 
That'll be that'll be next month. And um, after that, we are taking a break. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you've got another podcast coming out. We, I've got a lot on. We've both got a lot on, and um, this pod obviously takes a lot of our time. I know there's some people who really enjoy it, and we enjoy doing it. it just takes a lot of time. Um, so for the time being, at least, this show will be going on hiatus. Um, if you go to my website, bobshoy.com, um, that will give you information on other things that I work on, because this isn't the only other po- only podcast I, I work on. Um, I have a new one launching. Oh, it would be it will have launched by the time this goes up. Oh, exciting. So as the time of recording, it goes up in a few days. And when this comes out, there might already be two episodes up. Um, <laughs> but I'm doing a podcast all about The Simpsons. I talk about The Simpsons on all my podcasts. And I thought it's finally time for me to actually talk about The mm-hmm. Simpsons. So on this feed, we did an episode called The Simpsons 4 and 1 More. Yeah. That is spinning into its own show called The Simpsons 4 and 1 More, (laughs) Uh, where me and my new co-host Emma will talk about our favourite four Simpsons episodes from each season, and we'll talk about our favourite characters, our favourite songs, our favourite Halloween segments, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's going to be about a year-long limited series. Um, So I think I'm going to do a few of these like year-long limited series from now on, rather than committing to like ongoing shows. Yeah. So, you know, this this has run for roughly a year, and maybe we'll come back at some point, but who knows? Hmm. You can like just dabble in like yes. new topics. And obviously Weird Tales and the Unexplainable is my my ongoing Longer, show yeah. that's been going for five years now and counting. Ooh, exciting. So yeah, just go on bobshoy.com and you'll be able to keep up with all the things I'm involved in. Or you can follow me on Twitter. That's at B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. Uh, you can email into this pod at knownforpod at gmail.com. You can buy bonus episodes like the Tarantino one that we mentioned on this at uh, bobshoy.bandcamp.com. And you can support my time editing this as well as my other podcasts at patreon.com slash bobshoy. Cool. Lots of remembering of my name. My name is spelled B-O-B-S-H-O-Y because that's the important running factor to all those things. (laughs) Um, But yeah, basically head to the website and then find out everything from there pretty much yeah so for the time being the as far as we know the next episode the chadwick boseman one will be the final episode for a while i'm looking forward to doing it yes uh, i've enjoyed the films i've watched so far he's done some real goodies and they're good for you because he's like the king of the bio yeah he's done a lot of bios Love that. <laughs> um, he's a lot of sports movies as well so Ooh, we like them as well. <laughs> sports bios, it's a winning I'm like not into sports at all, but I do love a good sports movie. <laughs> yeah, so join us to talk about our... <laughs> join us to listen to us talking about our love of sports movies again. And Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. See you next time. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, we normally say something about the next actor. All right. To, to sign off, don't we? So until next time, uh, Wakanda forever, I guess. <laughs> yes, I like that. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.